0: Welcome to Be Good and Rewatch It, a Waypoint podcast where we, uh, well, we came up with an excuse to talk about movies and TV shows during work hours and, well, someone actually <laughs> decided to figure out what we were doing because, uh, hmm, uh, maybe this is the final episode it. of Be Good
1: and Rewatch It for now, for now, <laughs> for, for, now. now. Yeah, for
0: now, for now, for now, for uh, now, we're, yeah. we're kind of like Vice is going through some internal changes, Waypoint's figuring out where we fit and all that, and part of that is... Not shocking that maybe doing a little more stuff on games. And so we figure out like where the balance is on everything. Uh, we're kind of putting a pause on, on Be Good and Rewatch it. So it's I guess it's a hiatus. We still have waypoints. Oh hiatus. And we're still gonna is the find right ways word. to ooh,
3: we're
1: going dark. We're going on hiatus. ooh we're going dark. We're sunset we're not sunsetting. sunsetting no, sunsetting's that means that's it's final. going oh, away, yeah, away That's done. We are we're on we're we are on hiatus, like a band you love and had creative differences.
3: And tweet at um, every single day.
1: And be like, when do you get back <laughs> <laughs> together, Jesus Christ, <laughs> don't
3: do that. <laughs> no. Don't do it. <laughs> will be uh, sad. But yeah, uh, we will
1: we'll still be doing waypoints. We will still be doing that. Yeah, and stuff we will still t-
0: talk about Evangelion. We're just how all that pans itself out. You know, TBD. Um, right. But uh, the, I guess the short version is like be going to rewatch it. Being something where you, you know you would expect an episode every week is is the thing that's that's changing. So. That part sucks, because we really enjoyed doing this, Um, but at least we get to go out like on a high note, which is that today we're going to discuss the second feature for writer-director Jordan Peele, Us, Um, and it's like pretty much impossible to come out of this movie without an opinion of some kind, so uh, to help me kind of work through that, I'm joined today by Austin, Rob, Natalie, and Kato. Kato, you're officially on this, right? You're on the mic.
4: Yeah, I'm here. I'm on the mic. Okay,
0: all right. (laughs) Um... So Us is the the follow-up to to, uh, Peel's Oscar-nominated Get Out, which was a a social thriller about sort of, like, racial alienation, like, shitty white liberalism, and uh, became, like, legitimately sort of a cultural phenomenon in 2017. Um, Like, it's a a movie that actually gave us, like, which is, like, very rare for a horror film and just for films in general, where, like, things like The Sunken Place are now just part of our vernacular and allow us to explain concepts that would otherwise have (laughs) taken a much longer (laughs) way. Yes? Please?
1: Uh, I, uh, 22 minutes ago, was uh, sitting two feet away from Natalie, who, in the middle of watching Get Out for the first time, turned to me and said, is this where the sunken place comes from? <laughs> no!
0: That's not even... No, what? You, uh, no, no. I want to pause here. Uh-huh. The reaction here could be to laugh. That is actually, like, one of, like, the highest compliments you can yes. pay to the cultural totally. impact yeah. Totally yeah. of Yeah, Get so Out. don't the laugh at me. Spread. Okay. <laughs> <You can't laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Austin. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Um, no one, and, no
3: one may laugh at me. No.
0: But I, th- I it's, I think I, it's utterly fascinating, yes. and and shows the the impact of that film that it was able to create a a phrase in which you can impart meaning to it and know what we're all talking about, having not seen the film, which is like really really impressive, especially for the directorial debut of of Peel. Um, Thank you. And so, us is uh, <laughs> much more of a straight up. Horror film compared, necessarily, to Get Out. Um, but not surprisingly, it's stuffed with a lot of other things to say. So just to set up the, the premise. Um, so a family uh, uh, of uh, Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke as the mother and father of a son and daughter. They go on a beach-filled vacation, and one night, some strangers show up at their door, clad in red. Uh, these strangers appear to be doppelgangers, sort of mirror versions of themselves, uh, which we later learn to be called the Tethered. Um, and they really have one intention, which is... Uh, killing them, and so you know, as with get out, uh, us is seemingly a simple premise that goes a lot deeper. I mean this is like a movie with a, actually a literal rabbit hole um, <laughs> which yeah, we true. can talk about and unpack um and uh and just by the way, heads up like no as with previous you know uh, episodes like uh, of this like you know no spoiler section like this is a movie I think especially would be really difficult to tiptoe around um or to to put off to a spoiler section. It's better we can just kind of take the gloves off and just go right into the movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, uh, at least be aware of that. So I guess just starting off, like, you know, the response to this film has been a little more, I mean, obviously very financially successful. It's already made more money than Get Out did in its entire really? run. Um oh, wow. Yeah, That's yeah. Which I think it just speaks to the cultural power of Jordan Peele as a yeah. as a creator, which is really exciting. Um, but the reaction has been a lot more divisive. It's a much less clean film than Get Out was thematically and what it was trying to convey. Um so I'm curious I can get into my my stuff my reaction a little bit but I'm curious across the board like what did what was people's like takeaways they came out of the theater
3: Um so when I first saw it I was like hmm and then I left the theater I saw it in like a really loud uh, theater where like everyone was like cheering and yelling at the screen and it was a really fun environment because it made me a lot less scared which is great.
0: I wish I had seen the movie that way. Like yeah. this movie seems engine, like de- not engineered, but like deeply, it enhances the experience to have an audience that is raucous and into it and like along for. the
3: Yeah, ride. yeah, it was super fun. The
0: opposite of Rob's experience with this movie, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is the better oh. way to see it. Right. Okay. All right. Fair. We'll
5: um, get
3: that? Yeah. So when I first left, I so. Full disclosure, I've only seen half of Get Out. Watched it this morning
5: mm-hmm. <laughs> as I was waiting to do this <laughs> podcast.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, but when I first got out of it, I I had this feeling of, like, this... I was like, I'm unsure where I land here. Like, I'm unsure if this was, like, had the... Like, I was happy. I'm happy that Jordan Peele's making movies is, like, kind of where I came out of it. I was like, I'm... like this wasn't fully there for me but i'm excited that like there's more to come and then i got sent like some think pieces on the film and started getting way more into it and feeling like i feel like almost i feel like almost the experience of seeing it um in in the way that i did kind of detracted from my ability to just kind of sit with the film and like think about okay, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, and so in sort of the hype and everything, I was like, oh, that was a fun time, but I don't know if it really landed or if it really like went all the way with everything that it was saying or if it felt like it was saying too much. Um, but as soon as I like spent some time reading some think pieces on it, I felt like it was at least worth a rewatch and definitely worth, um, you know, talking about. Totally.
1: I definitely um, came away feeling like, oh, I get why people are not necessarily as high on this as they are in Get Out. I think the third act specifically requires you to be someone who is interested in breaking kind of uh, geographical and – Uh, kind of spatial reasoning and being willing to talk about that stuff as allegory and Mm -hmm. not necessarily as history or or material. And I'm, I'm here for it. Like one of my favorite things in video games is the moment in Silent Hill two, where you end up going from like kind of just dropping from the, like a historical society into a mine from a mine into a prison. You're literally going deeper and deeper into the city of Silent Hill. And, like there's that didn't have they didn't build a historical right. society literally on top of it or maybe they did but to do that would be nonsense you know mm-hmm. in in terms of physic physicality but there is still something happening there and so I was on board for that stuff um, I, I definitely think um, we'll get into this in a little bit I there is a key twist that happens at the very end of the movie that I. And this is—I swear to fucking God—I am not like I figured it out on the fucking smartest person in the world. But I the thought movie it hints at this it, along yeah, the right, way. I thought about it right away because of what they didn't show and then what they emphasized in some early scenes, mm-hmm. and that was actually really fun. So I'm excited for people to see this a second time. Yeah, because like this is what's happening, and so I was looking for the key to that twist or mm-hmm. how that twist would affect. Uh, we can just talk about this, right? We're again, we're in spoilers. Yeah, yeah, just got, yeah, uh, go ahead, yeah. That that Adelaide was actually the the the, the Lupita's like the the main character. Of the film, the lead, Uh, the mother was actually the tethered, the doppelganger from below. that she read a lot of people. I just want to
0: just go ahead set it up. uh, Well, I want to establish a lot of people are referring to her as Red, just so that we can like establish sort of like characters. So you have like Adelaide, and then you have Red. That just gives us a framing rather than just like the tethered. Like so, Red is just the character that we see is that is originally set up she's a sibling.
1: little girl when she's a little girl uh, Adelaide uh, goes to a, a carnival steps away from her father her le- father leaves her unattended she goes into a a hall, a hall of mirrors uh, runs into a doppelganger and then the, the camera cuts And we don't see her being chased out. We don't see her being attacked. We don't see her being assaulted. There's no interaction at all. It just cuts at the moment of when interaction would have begun. And then we get the kind of backstory of her character eventually of her going to like family counseling sessions. Her not being able to talk was like the big one for Mm -hmm. me. It was like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. Like I see what's going to happen here. Um, And that ended up making it really fun to watch because then there are all these little tells throughout the film that are about – Adelaide actually being the tethered and red being the person who was born above ground. And once I – because I was doing that, it, it like thankfully put me in a certain mode. It was like, OK, but wait. So what is my moral takeaway supposed to be from these mm-hmm. scenes where the family is doing violence or from like what's the setup of the Hands Across America stuff and – that actually makes me think that on repeat viewings this will probably gain some more momentum and people will come away like you, Natalie, after having read some think pieces a little bit more positive than that initial yeah. first viewing yeah mm-hmm.
3: it wasn't that I was necessarily like felt negative sure. towards it. I was kind of not sure what to think and um and yeah, that's why I think it i'm I'm really due for a re- rewatch
4: yeah I,
0: I i was I was I was really cool on the movie coming out of it where. I was in the same sort of space as you, Natalie, where my wife and I were walking out. And I was like, huh. And she was like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> and then she's like, I don't know if I, I don't, she's like, I don't, I don't know if I liked it. I liked, hmm. And then I found myself like reflexively defending it, right. but then yeah. also like going, well, okay, hold on a second. And I think, <laughs> so I was someone that like, looking back at the movie, like the twist, like especially the final twist in the film is obviously like telegraphed and they're yeah. in a, in a much more nuanced way than like the sixth sense and it's twist and how the color red becomes very important. Like th- this is a much more nuanced. this is in a lot of ways, I think peel doing M night Shyamalan, yeah. but like showing like a much more masterful way of doing a lot of the <laughs> tricks that Shyamalan deploys in his films. And I yeah. think he specifically said that us was like built upon like uh, a lot of the stuff that Shyamalan has done. It was a big influence in, in his work and his, his horror aesthetic. Um, and it is a movie that like I've built more of an appreciation for in upon reading and like reading responses to it because I found myself like really hung up on, you know, if we break the movie into two parts, like the first two thirds are a very strict home invasion uh, thriller. And then the last third is when sort of like the veil drops and like a the much broader themes are being played with. That's an overly simplistic, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really we're like the exposition dump happens where a lot of logic is sort of introduced yeah. into the movie in a very i think messy way although purposely messy which we can get into um cuz often jordan peel if no, if nothing else he knows what he's doing even if he's I- introducing ambiguity that that kind of messes with the the viewer and reading interpretations of it grew an appreciation for what was there because in the movie itself my response to it was this is a phenomenal home invasion, thriller, bare knuckle horror movie. And then it felt like, boom, here's a bunch of ideas. And I found myself struggling with those and hung up on it in a way that like, I was unable to appreciate how they either came together or or how it interacted with the, stu- the stuff that came before. And then I've, now I'm desperate to rewatch it so that I have all of that context. And maybe I'll still be cool on it, mm. but at least I would have a better understanding of like, what I'm in for along the whole ride. That's, Rob, I'm curious what,
4: or sorry, Kato, go ahead. Oh, uh, that's really interesting. Cause I kind of had the opposite reaction. Like I was like, this first part is, feels like a pretty stand, like good, but pretty standard home invasion movie. And then like when I started, like when the exposition dump happened and like the, like it started to broaden those themes, I was much more into it until the twist. And then I didn't know how to think about it until the very last shot of the movie. Yeah. Where you see the wide shot of the hands across America line, mm-hmm. and that kind of clicked it into place for like what my reading of the whole movie is, mm. like, and um, which I don't know if um, now I'll let Rob go first. Actually, <laughs> I don't want to get into it just yet. Yeah, but,
0: we can jump but, into some interpretations, but Rob, I'm curious. But like, you specifically, you mentioned that you thought your the way you watched the movie. Was important, which was you alone in a theater next to an Outback Steakhouse. We should um, get a bloomin' onion. What what your sort of general general takeaway of the movie was?
2: Uh, Quick, quick! I was forbidden from ordering a bloomin' onion. Why? Uh, Why? Partner was like, if you were eating lunch at Outback, you are not allowed to order a bloomin' onion for yourself. Why? She was like, that is one of the least healthy things, like (laughs) produced in a restaurant in America. Um, like it is like genuinely like. It's intense. It's an onion. It's yeah. a vegetable.
1: Like, it's a vegetable. It Vegetables is a vegetable. For
5: you. That's a
3: salad right there. <laughs>
1: That's a salad. Thank you. <laughs> it, it's
3: a, the crust is like croutons.
4: Yeah, those are croutons. Yes. <laughs>
2: huh. And then the and it's and an being used as a boat for yep. a fat-based sauce. Like that yeah, is the woman yeah. onion. Dressing. It's like,
0: it's what dressing. If- <laughs>
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway,
0: can point you, is. Bob, you. can you send these notes to your partner because I think we've made maybe a better argument than you did for yeah. the bloomin' onion order.
1: Also, let her know you'll bring some home for her, and you'll like keep it <laughs> in like a little bag. It'll keep it warm, and it'll be good, and delicious. Mm-hmm. Also, you should yeah. know about bloomin' Monday. Do you know about bloomin' Monday? Excuse, no. Outback Steakhouse has a deal uh, uh, with a, a NASCAR driver which is that if their NASCAR driver... Oh, my God. So you get a free Bloomin' Onion. The end of the story is you get a free Bloomin' Onion (laughs) with any purchase if their NASCAR driver comes in what place do you think I'm going to say? you're going to say it first.
3: At least 10th. At least I'm 10th. 5th. Really? Literally 10? the first
1: wow. 10 places. Which is like, y'all just want to give blooming Onions away, I guess. <laughs> I know there's a lot of racers in a NASCAR race, but they could have said top three. No. That's in to the hard. Top 10, you get a free blooming Onion on Mondays.
3: That's like Taco Bell... As long as the Lakers score above 100 points, you get two free tacos at Taco Bell. Damn, I guess I'm gonna get two You're
1: free tacos this
5: yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> sure, this fair, year, fair, yeah, fair. not great. God,
1: Magic uh, betrays us again. <laughs> anyway, uh, Rob.
2: Yeah, so I think for me, like literally, it was an empty theater. Uh, it was like 10 a 10 a.m. showing in a suburban multiplex. I was completely alone in the theater, uh, which was kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. That sounds fabulous. Mm-hmm. I think what I liked about it is that the silence and solitude allowed me the space to meditate on who I'm supposed to have sympathy with. Yeah. I'm actually mm-hmm. glad there wasn't a theater full of people being like, oh, shit. Like, you know, sort of re- like living and dying with the movie or, or like, you know, um, empathizing or, or like worrying about like the fate of these characters so much because I think – in like the solitude of the theater really early on, like basically from the moment that red introduces herself with a speech about where she comes from and what she has been through. Um, it sort of allowed me to start viewing two thirds of this movie from the standpoint of what is justice here, what is deserved, what is owed. Mm -hmm. And I think that would have been a harder mental space to inhabit if I'd been in a theater, uh, full of people who are long for the ride. Um, this wasn't a ride for me. Like, it was just, it was a thing from the first where I was just sort of considering what, what I'd heard, what, you know, the, the case that had been made. And uh, I think that set me up to really enjoy the third act, which a lot of people have made pointed criticisms of. Uh, so I think, for me, in, in a weird way, watching it outside the traditional, like, ideal horror movie setup as a collective experience um, and the notion of collectivization and being part of a collective is, is, you know, is integral to the reading of this film. I think watching it in solitude allowed me some useful
0: detachment from those issues. Totally, that's that's fascinating because I think the mo- your ability to detach from it because of the way you viewed it, I think in some ways is detached from like, you know, I don't know exactly Peel's intent, but like the structure of the film where it is like your reading of everything before it is in some ways like pretext by the twist making you go, ah shit. And so like the way that like the movie being a thriller, this kind of home invasion movie where there's like very clear, iconic moments where like you are as the audience was to cheer or like get Mm -hmm. like caught up in the moment to moment. Like that's part of how these home invasion movies work is based on like the audience having that ride. Like the ride is part of the home invasion uh, as a, as a subgenre of horror, and so that's part of what, why the punch works so well in us because it like deflates your the whole ride. You look back at the ride and what you were cheering at and what you were jeering right. at, and suddenly you realize, oh, it's a whole lot more complicated <laughs> than I thought. Right. Um, and so it's it's fascinating that you were able to get that reading more upfront because it seems like the, as a as a work, it's meant to actually be something that like you get upon. For most people, like the second reading, where you then go back and have you know the veil dropped, you are like, "Oh, now I understand why." Blah, 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 blah. I guess I, I think even then, though, like
2: even like even setting aside, because I didn't fully grok everything Austin did. Like I noticed that the edit in the opening, mm-hmm. uh, the thing that is not shown, but like there is a crucial speech we're going to go into uh, when when Red sort of explains, like they are asked, "Who are you?" and they don't say, "We're you," "We're us." You know, they say something else. And like from the moment they say that you should meet like, you know what I mean? Like, yes, the the filmmaking is going to sweep you up. But like, yeah, basically that is the gauntlet going down as to how are we going to read this movie? What is the actual story of this movie?
1: It's funny because I, I definitely experienced this movie in a pretty packed not not on launch not launch week uh, uh, release week <laughs> uh, whatever. wow God, uh, all right video games Austin are, just revealing fucking, himself right my there fucking brainworms um, <laughs> I've got to get out of this industry. Uh, the I watched it a couple weeks after I watched it this past weekend um, and you know it, it was still a pretty filled crowd mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I lost a credit card there I, don't, I can't find it uh, so it goes The I'll have to get a new one before this episode goes out so that no one <laughs> I don't know figures out how to fuck me over um, but up in, up until that scene is when the theater w- the theater and I were probably feeling it like a horror film um there's a degree to which like the home invasion stuff them waiting outside the stuff in the trailers they're like Mm -hmm. there's someone in in the front yard there's someone in the driveway there's another family in the driveway the the son saying it's us that stuff is really scary or like really it's not that it's really scary what i mean to say is it was felt by the theater i was in as horror Mm -hmm. right you could tell people were upset you could tell people were scared there was lots of like don't go that way you idiot type yeah. <laughs> like people yelling <laughs> yeah but from that point forward it uh, most of the movie ended up feeling like a comedy I And mean, part of that yeah. is mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I think Peel is a fantastic comic and like has great sense of comic timing as a director that his cast had in, did incredible work that all the kind of the the editing and the the cinematography all communicated to a great uh, to a lot of, of incredible comic work I, you have to shout out Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss here as the Tyler oh, yeah. family the incredible work Work that they both do, both both as the Tyler family and as their tethereds, mm-hmm. is unfucking believable. So a good. lot with very little. A lot yeah. with very little. Tim Heidecker's like tethered character is the most shit-eating, <laughs> scenery-chewing, <laughs> just overacting. I love it so. Well, much. it's Alan Wake. It, yeah, yeah, you're right. It is Alan Wake. You're right. That is totally the vibe, right? It is just like everything turned all the way up. Shithead in in a horror movie. It's so good. Um, and, uh, uh, it's like, it is actually literally the evil Alan Wake, isn't it? It is, it is literally, it's funny. (laughs) Um, and, and so from that point forward, there was a degree to which it was like, people were laughing a lot more Mm -hmm. and all that tension was deflated. And I think that that's important because the movie just didn't, wouldn't have worked for me if I continued to expect to be scared in that way. Like what I wanted at that point was to pivot to start thinking about, what the themes were and like, what's the mythology of this world? What am I supposed to take away from that? And so I'm happy the movie let me do that and didn't expect me to be like hyper tense for the rest of the film.
5: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that anyone in my theater was really tense. Yeah, I think it was like pretty, like there's a lot of com- comedic bits at the top and yeah. I think that like set the stage sort of for like the audience's reactions. So a lot of it, although it was like, it was like, don't go in there, but I was like, don't go in there, you idiot. Like Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like it's that, so, like, that in
3: more of, like, a comedic way than, like, a please, please. Yeah.
1: I was talking to Abby from Giant Bomb, and she said she was the only one in her theater viewing that laughed at anything. What? And everyone else was in, like, hyper horror mode. I think she oh, saw it God. opening weekend, and oh, like, everyone was, it. like, really keyed in to be in that mode. Yeah. yeah, And that would have just been insufferable. Like, there were a couple yeah. things I laughed at that I don't think other people did, but, like... By and large, my audience got everything
5: and was like clued
2: in in a way that was very enjoyable. Yeah, totally. Quick thing. Real quick. Yeah. 1,954 calories, 155 grams of fat.
5: You bloom need two thousand
1: calories to, to two thousand calories a day.
2: That's it, right there. blooming onion. Baby. I don't think I so I don't think you can be like, ah, this bloomin' onion takes care of me for the day. That's this it. This is my well, daily blooming onion.
4: You're supposed to share a bloom and onion. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's for like four people. Wow.
3: Just uh uh that's a share that's it with meal- yourself
0: later in the container you take it home. Exactly. Yeah, that's meal
3: prep.
5: That's, right there. Are, you we're you start that off on a
3: Sunday. Uh-huh. You throw a slice of that in each little bo- bu- cubby uh-huh. in your in your box. Like a pill, like a, t- like a pill. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then you got you got you get a little your dipping meat.
1: sauce in like a little pouch. Yeah,
3: uh, we're talking about. Right us. We also, if already... you
1: look at the, we're all eating for two now. <laughs> Me and my tedders. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of them. I'm thinking of them. I'm trying to get them the nutrition they need. They don't need to eat all them damn uh, rabbits. Not Get something that isn't Give him a blooming onion. Give him a damn blooming onion, Drop America.
3: a blooming <laughs> onion down there. Care package.
2: <laughs> so, can <laughs> we talk yeah. about just how good that opening sequence is uh, in, in yes. this movie that sort of sets everything in motion? Because I think this is just one of the best. Um, it does a great job of establishing a time and a place. Um, but also, I just think there's some incredible sound design and it really captures the feeling of being a kid and realizing that your parents like that horrible moment where you realize that your parents are maybe not actually the best guardians at this particular moment. Uh Like your parents are not Mm. on top of things and you're a little more on your own than you want to be. And you can tell there's that tension, you know, it's not supposed to be like this, but yet it is. Um, the opening of this movie really nails that vibe, but the, um, Opening on that slow zoom in with the VHS uh, tapes next to the TV, as the Hands Across America uh, commercial, uh, you know, runs on TV. What was it, like six million good Samaritans will hold hands across <laughs> America to to beat hunger, and, and then we cut to young Adelaide being um, at the like carnival grounds on the um, Santa Barbara beach. Mm-hmm. Santa Cruz Santa Cruz yeah Santa yeah. Cruz yeah um and I don't know like I cannot I couldn't I cannot get it on my head what's great is the entire thing is shot from her eye level so mm-hmm. parents are all physical action but you barely see their faces but like you can tell like you know her dad is drunk and getting drunker uh, he's all like nervous energy and exaggerated motions, but also being just kind of an asshole. And the mom is all tension. Uh, it's it's a really good it's a really good sequence. It it is also does a great job of making the mundane and familiar and like classic Americana into a setting for horror. The worrying of like the you know the carousel and shit has this like god awful drone in, in that sequence. Uh, it's it's just extraordinary
0: yeah, like setting it from the perspective of the kid like is both really effective at It's it's, it's really unnerving in ways that you almost can't pin down, right? Like the actual shot of like one of the roller coasters, one of the rides, like I distinctly remember just being like just feeling just off. and it's it is specifically because it's just the sound design, but it's it's not it's so much quieter about like what's ominous yeah. about it as opposed to like hitting you over the head with it. and even and especially what's impressive about that sequence is, I mean, Appeal is not the first one to like set something in the 80s, but like you know, in, in a world of Stranger Things and all sorts of like uh, uh throwback in, in a new era of everyone embracing Stephen King, um, is always done just so, so ham fistedly. And like, he, like, here it manages to like put you in a place and a time in a way that just feels very naturalistic as opposed to, and yes, you have the, you know, the, the typical, like, you know, VHS tapes mm-hmm. and, and that's one way of doing it, but the thriller you, shirt. once you get beyond that little bit and you're on the, on the boardwalk, it just feels like a, a place and a time that's different, but it's not accomplished through like cut to a back to the future yeah. movie poster. Right. Um,
3: yeah, the, probably the most on the nose, like on the nose thing was, uh, the thriller shirt. Yeah. But even that, um, I was It's a
0: dope ass shirt though. It's
3: a, <laughs> it's a cool shirt. Um it was interesting that the mom said, like, as she was trying to get it, she was like, that movie that don't you know how scared she was after watching that video? Like, yeah. why are you gonna get her this shirt? And she like picked it out for herself. That was kind of interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um but that was I was, a jacket, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um she I was I was really impressed by how small. I felt and how much I felt yeah, like
1: that's really true
3: related like felt like I was w- young and walking through a rickety like underfunded uh, uh, board uh, uh board side what is it called boardwalk, boardwalk yeah. theme park where like the the way that the carousel is going feels like it could just swing off at any <laughs> second uh-huh. and and like those rides just felt like so loud and like like overbearing and all the and that speaks to the sound design that you guys were talking about it just felt like everything felt so big and above me and just like precarious that I can see I can like relate to why you know it a lot of people have said like why does she leave like why does she walk away and it's like this is like such an overwhelming environment and she's kind of just like you know she she doesn't show much like the the um, actress that plays Adelaide as a child like is really sh- good at just like not really showing what's going on but like you can tell she's deep in thought and the way that she kind of like leaves this overwhelming atmosphere behind and goes and seeks like kind of silence and mm-hmm. solitude for herself especially in the face of like arguing parents yeah. and things like that um, was such a strong evocative uh, uh, play there
0: for me. Also, kids just walk off. Kids just yeah. walk like off. That, like, I did that. Kids just walk off. Yeah,
3: hundred percent. Like one of my
0: uh, my mom always tells me a story of like this scariest moment she ever had with me as as a kid was I was about that same age as young Adelaide and we were at the circus and like walking through the crowd to like go to the bathroom or, or something and had my hand and then didn't have my right. hand just like oof. and you know, found me in a like, hall you know, a mirrors? of mirrors later. I, <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Hmm. Who am hmm. I? Um, and I, and you know, I, I had to sort of at that, you know, got lost and then kind of wandered off. But like, like kids just do I, that's of, of the things in this movie, which you could be frustrated <laughs> over perceived leaps of logic. That one is not in my like top oh, yeah. 10 of yeah. like no <laughs> way. Of worries. Yeah. Uh, uh, totally. Oh,
5: go ahead.
2: Yeah. And I think the other thing is, uh, You know, she wanders down this boardwalk and we have this great shot of the Pacific Ocean uh, at night, which is just an inherently eerie thing. Uh, I think we've talked about this before on the pod, but like Atlantic Coast tends to face inward and like you don't feel like you're about to fall off the edge of the world. Like the Pacific Coast down in like Southern California, I always feel like, well, eternity lies beyond this beach. Uh, Better better turn away. Um, Those clouds, too. Oh Good. god, yeah, New the clouds. storm rolling in, and then the creepiest <laughs> fucking ride amusement. Find yourself, I just Find dude. Your it's the most Zoltan
1: shit. Oh, like, it's yeah. like what That's... big
2: turns into a horror movie in the first reel.
1: Well, it. Can you remind me how it changes between? Because that. Yeah, the I the was second about time to say it's Merlin. Right. Yeah. The, first the second time, time
3: it's Merlin, and it's like his haunted forest. Yeah, but
1: what is it the first time? It's a Native the American shaman. It's, right. It's right, like yeah. Right. Times. Times like, <laughs> change. Times change. Yeah. Wizards are in right now. Low-key racism a little less in. Yeah. Only a little bit less in. Though. Yeah. Yeah. God. Not so low-key racism, uh. actually. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs>
0: uh I think probably like the, the next major scene that's worth jumping to is uh it gets a little bit past the initial sort of home invasion sequence, but oh. gets us to or do you want to
5: touch on yeah, something I close? have Go something ahead.
3: before that. Um yeah. one of my favorite moments that I, I think spurred sort of my questioning was actually the car scene in which um you know they're driving up to the beach house or whatever um this is like present day Adelaide and the uh when they're singing along s- sequence mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the way that Lupita Nyong'o like snaps off beat yeah, on and like and three. off rhythm was like such a weird moment for me cuz i i was so i was super mm-hmm. fixated on that yeah. for like a minute and i was like
1: so that was one of the things I'm talking I'm, about as yeah. being a big key a of big, being like, yeah. oh shit! And I laughed at that. Was the one moment I laughed. And no one else in the theater laughed. <laughs> and it was a pretty black theater, so they knew. They know not to fucking <laughs> clap on the ones and threes, right? And right. Yet, and yeah,
5: <laughs> because <And yet. laughs> that's
1: what's happening there. Yeah. And no. Totally. Which, which actually is really, which gets to some of the the. It's hard to unpack that particular moment for me because if you want to read the tethered as being othered. Mm -hmm. and maybe it's not it's not difficult but it's an interesting thing to unpack Mm -hmm. because knowing to clap on the twos and fours like white people clap wrong is a pretty standard and like accepted meme inside of black culture and uh uh, adelaide doesn't know how to do that despite having been raised in blackness Mm -hmm. right and so but but her her like Human history, her history as an organic being, originates in this place where that sort of racial divide doesn't seem like it exists, or like if okay. So here, let me. I'll back up and say this again. Originally, I was like, "Oh, the tethered can be an analogy for uh, for oppressed peoples." Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. and we'll get into all the different readings later, including mm-hmm. some really bad ones we've seen on the internet. Right. <laughs> um, uh, and yet, this one marker. That is associated with a marginalized group. Uh-huh. She does not have.
4: It uh,
5: – Go
4: ahead.
3: Were you going to finish something?
1: That's – I think it's – I think that that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Because the core message of the film d- does seem to undercut any idea that, like, just because they're – it wants you to believe in the – human or it maybe it doesn't want you to, but, like – the tethered could grow hearts right. in Kingdom Hearts terms. No, there's like something
3: um, about like an inherent like there's something about the fact that she doesn't have like there's something that's prohibiting her from internalizing things that you would internalize growing up in a maybe. culture like I like for to me it was something like it it was something like feeling uh uh when I think of the tethered it's almost as if you like you have this cultural marker, but without access to the culture that it belongs to. But she to.
1: doesn't have the marker. And that's the thing that's that's tough to like it doesn't line up easily.
4: Right. The way Th- I, this I, I is part read of what oh go ahead, Kana. Sorry. Like no, you're good. and this re- this goes into like the way I've kind of like organized the film for myself is this that I re- I like saw the tethered as not just like, yes, obviously a marginalized like class, but more than that, uh, a representation of people with less privilege than other yeah, people, right? Totally. And so that bit read to me as she has become privileged. And totally. that's why that changed into the like joke. E- like, it's it's like, even though she's black, right. like, so that's kind of how I read the There's one like three a- was like, it's like, oh, white people do that. And like, so. Yeah, like there's a
1: represent or a a a uh, a relative degree of privilege that she right. has gained even yes. if she remains under uh, under privileged. she be, remains
4: marginalized as a black woman in america right.
3: wait so then the snap would be indicative of
4: her gained privilege even though in real life like that's not like yeah this is what it, it gets it's messy still the messiness of this is why yeah. i think it doesn't because quite then
3: i compare it to the me. other people in the car who would then be like, also, she, she has evolved? good rhythm.
4: She's a dancer.
1: She's a fantastic dancer. Right. Like, we know that. Right. is right, right. intrinsic to the character. So, like, right. I mean, this is right. this is, exactly this, this is why we this, shouldn't like, get the frustration hung over,
0: this. over. Well, yeah, because I think well, and I think like a legitimate criticism of the film is it's a it's a ambitious, messy movie that introduces enough logic to how it works that you can get hung up on points like this right. in a way mm-hmm. that I think detract from the themes that are clearly and like more a priority, but. Like it's re- like, and this is also Jordan Peele invites this yes. because there are a lot of a lot. Every movie has themes, politics, but there are certain creators that are prioritizing how they are presenting those and whether they are presenting something to be interpreted later. Or we live in a culture now where Jordan Peele is writing this knowing it's going to be examined. Right? Mm-hmm. Where like he knows that he is invited post get out, that people are going to look at every scene, every placement, every, you know, as 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 simple as the way uh, the two daughters are uh, killed later in the movie, the positioning is just a, a, a complete one-to-one throwback to a, a scene from The Shining, right? Like, right, Jordan right, Peele is, like, right. so intentful. But I think by doing that, he runs the risk, and this is where this movie, like, runs into some problems, is you then are granting too, you can start reading too far into things that don't necessarily ask for the reading. But I think that's like, that's okay because like ultimately he's making movies where people are doing such deep readings on them when like a lot of these films don't ask for that at all. And Mm so I think it's like a better world to live in where it's like, all right, we're going down too many rabbit holes (laughs) on this movie when often there aren't it's movies, especially horror films often aren't even presenting places for you to engage with them. And so – but I do think that's a legitimate criticism of the movie where it's like you can get hung up on that point And it's like, okay, maybe the movie would have been better served by being even more ambiguous about how the world works. So you weren't thinking so much about how does that connect to the tethered, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say that the whole sequence, even before the home invasion – the way they just set up the family dynamics like really effectively and quickly and how much you can then infer about the relationships between all of the characters (laughs) is just like masterfully done. Like Mm -hmm. the amount of implied exposition from just a cup, a handful of scenes is just like really, really powerful because it's like actually pretty like quick to getting into the home invasion stuff. And yet Mm -hmm. they don't feel like archetypes or paper characters. Like they, they feel very lived in in a way that you can your imagination can fill in a lot of what how that you know we, we don't know how they met or like what it yeah. was like to raise those kids but it's, like, a, it's not hard to come up with headcanon that makes a lot of sense.
1: It's a, maybe a silly comparison, but we think about going back to the first movie we did for Begin Rewatch It, which was The Purge, <laughs> and think uh-huh. about how cartoonish that, that family was in totally. terms of like, this yeah. is like the kid who's weird. This is the daughter who likes sex. Like yeah. all like these characters in no time <laughs> at all. Classic horror archetype. Yeah, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. These characters in no time at all feel so much more full and their relationships are so much clearer to mm-hmm. us. Through the use of like a handful of really smart bits and jokes, and giving them things that they care about that don't that don't seem as obvious as the kid who put a, a baby doll's head on a race car <laughs> on a remote control car like <laughs> in The Purge. So you know, anyway,
3: yeah, the boat bit is fantastic. Oh, the boat bit's so it's,
1: fucking so so craw daddy
0: craw daddy.
1: And then what is just like. The- what is the Tim Heidecker's one called? Biatch? Yeah. It's yacht, yacht is Oh, it's, is in oh, it's yeah. so <laughs> fucking good.
0: <laughs> it's well, and the cra- good. And what's great about this, like the Crawdaddy one is like, it's a called out joke. Like yes. there's a, you're supposed to like marinate in this joke because the joke is ref- is part of what feels so effective at like setting up an implied history of the character yes. through mm. the joke. And that does happen with Tim Heidecker's character as well. But like, it's you have to be looking for the biatch. Like yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. part of this. I remember when I, I caught it at the very end of like a tent scene when they have the <laughs> confrontation of the boat, I had to like wait to tell my wife. I was like, I'm sitting like, Muffling laughter is like something very tense is happening, uh-huh. and then I had to explain why I was laughing <laughs> yeah. immediately uh, after. There's also
1: that great moment of Winston Duke's character, uh, Gabe, like sprawled out on the twin <laughs> the twin bed, uh, when he oh, was ready, They thinking yep. thinking his wife's going to turn around and be in a good mood. <laughs> yeah, and he's going to be like real funny about it, mm-hmm. and then she's of course like distraught because she remembers what what she's about to walk into. Of course, uh, but it's extremely it's fucking so good. funny. It's Him like getting so, himself together. Oh, it's and so it. funny. <laughs> it's so. So good! Oh, he's so big, and that frame is so small. Yeah, (laughs) he's ready to have some fun. And
0: and what a funny actor! Like, I'm not super familiar with his work, but like you, you know, you come out of this being like. I mean, who? I mean, it's hard to know. Like, where does you know Jordan Peele like setting people up for success begin, and like where does the actor like? Well, remember you know, he, come he into fucking
1: that? stole the show with in Black Panther, is Baku. Panther. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, but he's like so. a
0: bit, a bit. I guess what I'm saying is yes. a bit player in Black Panther where he steals every scene he's in. Right. It was just like really fun to watch him. Just like, just oh, like I mean, you know, they have the uh, you know his his best comedic bit when he comes out to to. Uh, kind of harangue the doppelgangers, you know, about, like, do you want to do this? And, like, that's a re- really funny line, but, like, the movie, like, the way that actually plays out, like, going back in with the family, like, mm-hmm. him, like, going out to try and be nice, and then be like, oh, I need to be, like, aggressively. <laughs> like, so, it's just a really funny arc. There's
2: a great thing. Um, one of the one of the things that Winston Duke does really well is play a big guy. Uh, what I mean by that yeah, is like yeah. somebody whose life experience is also <laughs> informed by being a big dude. Person of interest literally uses this, by the way. This is one of his breakout roles. He's literally paired with uh, the actor who plays Marlo in yeah, The Wire. Yeah, I just
1: looked this up. I, and he's yeah. very small.
2: Right. He, and he presents as the,
1: being tiny. You
2: know what I mean? And everyone thinks in that show like the mastermind of this criminal organization is the Marlo character. Right. And they think he's just this. Like, big hulking bodyguard figure because they're always standing together. And the reveal is no, actually, he's like Moriarty level smart, (laughs) but like, nobody thinks that like the big meathead looking dude can be the genius. I have to Uh, find a person of interest. You should. It's so good. But what, what I love in this sequence here is that like, He isn't that tough a guy. He's a big guy, but, like, you never get the sense that he's He's actually gotten crazy in the
5: streets, (laughs) uh, you know, in, in
2: any of his days. And so after he realizes, like, the cops aren't coming and he goes out there, he starts doing something that I think any of us are familiar with, but particularly if you're, like, a larger dude, he starts dropping octaves like pine needles off a tree basically he's like oh shit i just need to seem bigger and like so he starts he basically just starts trying to like like it goes from like a slightly deeper voice toward by the end he's like trying to boom out his lines in the hopes of like chasing these people off and they just don't fucking care and like if you're if you're a big dude but a man of peace one of the worst things that can happen is when you realize like <laughs> Oh fuck, it's not going to like just me physically being here is
0: not going to get the job done right now. So
2: what do we do now?
5: <laughs> That's <laughs>
1: extremely good.
0: God. Uh yeah, so then the, the you know the the invasion sequence sort of like kicks off, which is, you know, one of the more tense sequences in the movie, the most like horrory uh sequences of, of the film. Um but it actually gets like pretty abruptly ended um because there's and like one of the most interesting sequences in the movie is when the uh well we don't know quite know what happened to uh to Gabe to Winston Duke's character because he gets in a spat his leg gets fucking messed up by the bat that gets taken from him and mm-hmm. then the family um is brought into like sort of like a living room space um is sat down with the doppelgangers the the tethered versions of of themselves um and then like just a, Series of just like really, it's a really remarkable sequence, um, really unnerving sequence in which, um, Lupita like obviously a terrific actress, and normally horror films are not necessarily where you see a lot of that on display. Uh But I think like this movie lose everybody. showcases her talents in there. I guess I mean that there's a the voice she uses for the tethered version of herself. There are so many versions of that that are comedic, that are laughable, that immediately you are brought out of the scene and just the way she plays it is just at first you are I think it is in so many ways of of us and peel's work you are meant to sort of like have a nervous laughter reaction yeah. to it but then she's so committed to it and it's just so it's like a like a version of like chalks you know nails on a chalkboard um that's just it's just it's just a remarkable sequence to it like you cannot not continue to stare at her. She just commands your attention.
2: Quick thing about that, though. Like, apparently she does base her performance off of, like, an actual condition people, like some people have with their Mm -hmm. vocal cords. Um, And, like, some people with that condition have felt it is kind of an incentive, sensitive portrayal because it is using, like, the way that, like, you know, because of their condition, they cannot help but sound. Uh Nyongo like explicitly uh, cites like wow. having heard people That's like the speaking as a thing that informed her sort of creating the character of of Red. And I think this is why horror often sort of like, you know, hits these shoals a little bit because it is an undeniably effective uh voice. And I think if you were like reading it on the page, you know, if you were writing it, you'd you know, you'd you'd use descriptors like it sounds like, you know, a voice speaking from you know the in, the inside of a tomb or something or or you know whisper heard from a you know a, a deep dark pit, but how do you actually literalize that as a physical performer? Uh, but then a lot of the things you can actually like hear and refer to in your daily life, uh, you know maybe someone's actual like physical reality, right?
0: And a thing that and then it's is, played for in the scene as something to be scared of, right? Uh, so I think I mean mo- in a movie about like who are the monsters. <laughs>
2: Right, so like right. I think it's a, it's it's a great performance, and it is an effective voice. But I think it's it's definitely worth noting here that that yeah. voice like comes from come, you know comes from a place, uh, and there are folks who felt uh, a little ill used uh, by by this portrayal. I think
1: the,
0: that is a completely fair point.
1: Totally, I mean, like it's one of those things that uh, you, that comes out of. I mean, this comes out of a lot of things, right? Like, there horror often. Wants to play with um, other bodies, uh, things that make us feel uncomfortable because they they whether the, there's an intention here or intentionality here mm-hmm. or not, they're finding the boundaries of the acceptable that we ex- that we uh, work by that we don't know we work by and try to poke through those things and they say like aha here is a thing you've never thought about. Uh, that you expect from other people, that you expect other people to fit into this very normative thing. And to creep you the fuck out, we're going to like break apart of that mm-hmm. way. That's the way people's bodies move, the way people speak, the way they, they do their hair, the, the color of their skin, all sorts of
0: things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I, like very specific to like the, the society and the time that it's yes, in. Like there are yes. a few genres as reflective of society and what they deem acceptable, unacceptable, what are norms mm-hmm. than horror. Cause horror tends to be at its best, like, a, like a, a, a mirror up to society even if you don't realize that's what's actually being sent back.
1: Right. So the for me, the thing that was so interesting about this – like I'm going to fucking – this is some Austin Walker yeah. academic like school bullshit. <laughs> but the fact that Red is the one to speak, the only one who has a voice, of course puts me on my post-colonial studies – um, you know, uh, Marxist bullshit. Uh, and for me, I had to start thinking about in that moment, the tethered as the subaltern, which is a term that gets used primarily in post-colonialism to talk about historical groups, um, cultural groups who are outside of the, like the hegemonic structure that everyone else is inside of, which does not mean oppressed people. It doesn't only mean oppressed people. Um, the sub, like, you know, it's a, it's a term from Antonio Gramsci. It's a, it's a word he used in his prison notebooks when he was like in prison, uh, in in Italian fascist prison, and he was using the word subaltern maybe to get around censors because all of his work was censored, and so if you read Gramsci, you're reading something written in code and then written in multiple code languages and then translated out of Italian and into whatever your native language is, so it's a lot, but he uses the term subaltern to maybe reference the proletariat, but also to reference specifically, and then this is what Spivak builds on in a big way years later, the idea of there being people for whom traditional means of of uh, resistance and means of vocalizing literally the – their problem and their condition are not available. They cannot. The subaltern cannot have a uh, a freedom march. The subaltern cannot go to Washington D.C. and demand answers. The subaltern cannot get a thousand signatures on a on a protest sheet that lets them, you know, put an appeal and blah 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 blah. Those methods are not available to them. Um, And I mean, it's especially important because Gramsci literally talks about history told from below, which to me is like. And I I don't know if Jordan Peele's ever read fucking Antonio Gramsci, but this is why my mind goes to this. Place, Mm -hmm. Um, And then years later, Spivak literally asked the question, can the subaltern speak? Can those who have no political power, who have no ability to reach out to the the levers of power actually speak for themselves? To what degree should someone else attempt to speak for them? Is that even possible? possible what are other methods of resistance these are the questions that a lot of postcolonial theory ends up trying to tackle and r- became the primary lens for me reading this red is the only one who can who can uh, kind of um, elucidate what their what the group's plan is right. and she's the only one who gives them the plan who breaks the condition that they're in because she arrives with access to to right. the tools of right. the hegemonic empire above And a framework. Way. And yeah. a framework, a, right.
0: It, like literally like there's no framework for these people below. I mean, no. We can get into that whole like, – They can't the even understand
1: with... their own condition, no. right? Yeah. And this is like a right. very tricky thing when you start talking about oppressed peoples. I mean this is why there's supposed to be a distinction between subaltern and, and oppressed peoples is that subaltern should be reserved for people so far outside of it, outside of the, the balance of power, the, the the realm of power, that, that they are not – it is not, this is the conditions for them are not actually true for all marginalized people. Mm-hmm. Some marginalized people are able to access the conditions of power, are able to push and produce a sort of resistance um, from their standard positions. And, and that resistance, I don't just mean like protest, I mean all, anything that is there. They can work inside of the broadest possible framework because they still have access to the framework. So it is not simply, Spivak is not saying like, and some people just can't help themselves or something like that, right? right? Um, but like for me, this became the question it's like can the people, can the tether could the tethered have ever resisted this? Right. What are we to what are we to think about the outsider who comes in to try to help them? Um, is this good allyship? <laughs>
0: is this? <laughs> I was going to say help. Help may be uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not we, even necessarily. We the do right term for what red actually
1: right. Is this does? vengeance?
5: Well, is yeah. This if empty? you think is about this?
0: which, yeah, that's getting into the hands across America. And I, what, yeah, we'll the get f- there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Hmm. Well, so I mean. I just saw this so like I, I probably remember the some of the lines a little bit better like what red actually lays out because they ask like who are you basically yeah yeah and red lays out red tells her story uh, it's yeah. actually the story she shares with Addie yeah. uh, which is that uh, one girl was born in the light uh you know one of the darkness it's very bane you know i come from a pit that you know
0: the <laughs> a prison and the in the, the depths of hell but it's very villain speech but, yeah. to start
2: yeah. but what she lays out is that for every good thing like functionally these these girls are like joined they're they they they're sort of mirrors of each other but but one's a dark mirror uh where one is where one is given Gifts and opportunities and joy, the other receives pain and torment and sadness. Uh, where the other uh, finds love and begins a family, uh, the the other it has a husband forced upon her. And right. uh, childbirth is – I think this is an important detail. And her childbirth is a physical horror. It is it, it is a nightmare and it is, it is, it is painful and is
0: dangerous. And um, is, the, is the implication – there that i mean this gets into the the logic question of how the tethered work but like is it to make you there that like that red was raped as a result because the connection between the two is such that the consensual sex happening above ground and maybe this is getting me be overanalyzing the implicate but like i could couldn't come away with that line without thinking like oh well the implication there's like the consensual sex that was happening above ground that is not How Well, because there's a a functional, yes, because
2: there is a functional rule that like the tethered have to mirror their, their other side version, right? Their, their, their surface version. And so whatever, you know, someone among the tethered might wish, they're forced into relations that mirror, mirror above. So I think the implication is she says explicitly, it doesn't matter if they love each other. What that, what that means is, it's not that it doesn't matter to the story. It means that it didn't matter because the tethered don't matter to whoever created them, right? Whoever's responsible for their condition. Uh, I think that's kind of what she's getting across is they were just forced into this relationship because that is what it is to be tethered. But then it sort of builds to this ultimate question of, you know, so so who are you? What do you want? And she just sort of gives the smile and she says, we're Americans. And I think it's a fascinating way to put it. And I think it's sort of, I think it is an important framing device because I think there's an element of are the tethered representing oppressed groups, marginalized groups? Yes, but I don't think only that. I, I think the tethered are representing basically all the things that mainstream America culture, its politics, fear and dread, and do not like thinking about or looking at, right? Yeah. Like it is all the things that like, when we think about like what are real Americans, like who, you know, what is, what is an American life? We tend to like, maybe not necessarily us, but in general, like in that popular depiction, it tends to be various forms of affluence, success, personal fulfillment, uh, you know, physical and uh, emotional and economic security, and here's Red saying, who am I? I'm an American. I don't have any of those things. Right. But it is my fucking due.
1: Right. Or, or so there's another way to read that, which is that it, Red's plan may not be and then we get those things. Red's thing, Red's, Red may be saying that in such a way that there's, again, a couple of ways you can unpack it, which is like one is I'm an American and being an American includes this state you've put me in. This is not outside of the realm of being an American. Americans are also like me. Mm -hmm. Um, So stop patting yourselves on the fucking back because you bought a boat. Two, the other side of this, and this is something that I I have been thinking a lot about, is, you know, Peel goes out of his way to tell a story in which there is an underground um, facility where the soul is being studied and, and bodies are being captured. And there's an attempt to duplicate, blah, 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 blah. And it doesn't work in the way that it wasn't productive. Right there's a version of the story that looks something more like Sorry to Bother You, and I think Sorry to Bother You is like such an important film to put in conversation with this. It's not a mainstream film; it doesn't come out of like any of the big production houses on like Us, but it has a very similar third act twist that demands you to be totally bought in because it's so fucking wild, um, and is also I think uh, a film that is uh, asking you to ask questions about the status quo and blah blah blah. Uh, in 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 Sorry to Bother You, the premise is terrible things are happening in order to create uh, a, a profit efficiency to benefit someone.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: That is not the reveal of us. The reveal of us is not, and they're using them as
0: slaves down there.
1: It's, this was like a military program or something.
0: <laughs> Every other version of this movie right. that would have been right. the, the third act and, reveal. And
1: that's part of what, like to me, one of the things that's so fascinating, and part of why I think of of this in sub- subalternian terms is you're not even in the system. These people aren't even in the system enough to produce profit for somebody. They are an omission. They are a result of American activity that America does not a even care about. Byproduct. And, right, right. Yeah. A byproduct. Exactly. <laughs> they are being, you know, again, like put out into the world and then are suffering endless lives of terror and horror and pain and are also at the same time. Like ignored, um, and that to me is like so much more interesting in some ways than the version. It's why I don't think it is like I, I've definitely seen like oh this is about class relations or something like that. And like kind of I get where you how you arrive at that. There is a, a, an underclass here that you know is is um, mirroring that is like the. An escalator
0: that only goes up
1: right, totally, or only goes down in this case, right? They can't go down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, or or like, oh, for behind all of your all of your luxury, there is someone suffering. Like I get that read on it, but I think a tighter read for me anyway, demands you recognize that these people are not in the system. They only suffer because of the system. And that is fucked up and it's why I'm actually fairly sympathetic sympathetic to Red and to the tethered in general even if I don't know like what comes next at the end of this film is mm-hmm. like this isn't a film about like a grand revolution and political ideology. No it's about mm. an act. Right.
3: A series it, of acts really like when I think about uh, you know what is happening down there it's like it is it is it is acts oh God it's like the acts that the above ground, you know, people experience have personal ties, personal motivations, um, emotions invested, and to have those same acts forced upon you and without ties, without, mm-hmm. but to still experience the emotional affect of it, but in the worst ways, um, is, like, is... is so fucked up to me, and um, you know, I think you're reading Austin of, of uh, the tethered as the subaltern makes a lot of sense, um, and really, I think resounds with me more than other readings I've I've seen so far.
1: There are a lot of readings. There yeah. are a lot of readings.
3: There are a lot of, and, and I think it's meant to right.
0: Like, yes, hundred percent. Yes, because because peel know like it, absent get out. You could look at, and this is why I, I love the messiness of this movie, even as much as I came out of the movie cool and wondering, the fuck? Like, I, wh- what? Um, my, my appreciation going back is like, Get Out establishes a foundation, a rhetorical foundation, and a narrative foundation for Peel as a creative, especially one who works in horror, understands tropes, knows, knows what he's doing with the audience. Is that in Get Out, it's his. Sure, there are variations of readings, but it's like it has a very clear, tight message—a thing it's conveying. It gets in, it gets out. In it's these people in a specific circumstance. It's not what's happening in the whole world. Blah 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 blah. And the only like it only then follows that the messiness, the sort of like infinite, potentially infinite readings into us, is deliberate. In that there were ways to make this tighter and cleaner and about a singular idea make it a golden escalator. And boy, it's just like Trump when he came down a golden escalator. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there are, there are like lesser, there are versions and he would find a better, but you know what I mean? Like there are ways (laughs) where like very concretely you would make a very clean thematic reading. Mm -hmm. And so I think the things that frustrate me about this movie are also what made me admire him more as a creator because the purposeful ambiguity and where you wrestle over different thematic ideas, your own readings ones that feel potentially out of bounds but are there's enough there for you to grasp on is part of i think why the f- film works and also increases in appreciation like it's a movie i can't remember the last time i had a movie that i've appreciated more this much as a result of discussing it versus what i personally got out of my own experience in the theater um yeah. that's just a very uncommon experience
4: then the to me the read on that is that uh, uh, on the like difference between get out and us is like us isn't us as a our, uh get out as an entire story is an allegory for racism and stuff and i feel like us the different groups of people are individual allegor- like mm-hmm. our al- our allegorical instead of the whole thing being a one big allegory like there's two different like you know or like not even of-
1: two different like because like even inside right. of like racial difference, economic difference yeah. do exist in this film. Like, yeah, yeah. There is there is that tension between the two families, right? There is yeah. that that you know. Uh, the
0: boat isn't that fancy. That
1: boat is kind of <laughs> shitty, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't work very well. Right? They don't like. I mean, the the best bit is the generator. He showed right? me yeah. how this yeah. thing right. works.
0: Right. right? Kicks it. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so good.
1: <laughs> then, and there's the bit with the generator, right? Which right. is that the the white
3: family right has,
1: has this a- external generator, and the black family does not. Uh, and also, and I think this is for me like one of the things that I, this is this isn't some extremely so. There's, there's a lot of ways the so in the black community, us means something, right? Like right. it's us, man. Like it's always been us. It's always gonna be us. That is a thing. And when they, you know, took care of business and escaped with their lives, that's us. We know how to fucking fight back. <laughs> We know how to run when it is time to run. We know how to get that boat working if we need to get that boat working and escape some, from some people who are going to hurt us. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me tell you about Tim Heidecker. <laughs> that motherfucker's never run in his life. Never. <laughs> that character has never had to struggle. Yeah, has mm-hmm. never had to fight in this way. Maybe he's had to struggle in other ways. Blah right. blah blah. blah, blah. Right. I'm not saying the white people. Blah, 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 blah. But like that particular like sort of like all right. We were going to get through this. We were going right. to take care of each other and ourselves reflected a certain sort of readiness right. that the Taylor family did not have access
5: to. Not
3: at all. And the fact that, like, when when uh, Adelaide's family were fighting, each of them knew their strengths. Like, mm-hmm. f- when they split up, I was panicking. But in, yeah. in that was, like, completely strategic. They Like, she knew... She she had confidence and knew in 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 like each member of the family strengths and knew that they would make it back together again, and to see the white family be together to fight but just completely fail. Oh, that scene mm-hmm. is
1: so much. But she's yeah. like,
3: get him! And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so Donk fucked. It's on. so fucked. Fuck it's, the police. It's yeah, fuck the uh, police.
0: All right. Um, well, I, on that note, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break. There's. Plenty for for us to dig into, um, but we're going to take a breather, and uh, we'll be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role Kato, I know you had something you wanted to, to jump on in, in response to uh, what Austin was saying before.
5: Yeah,
4: uh, specifically about that scene was one of the ones that really made like the kind of read I have on this film like stand out, being that like it it really highlights the ways that people of different levels of privilege get like are allowed to or are afforded like. Different passes. So, like on a meta layer, the 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 the, the protagonists per se have the uh, are are like we cheer for when they do violence because they're the protagonists, right? right? right. Like and like um, we like the the moment when Lupita's character uh, finishes off the last tethered in that house, right? And it's. It's kind of you. You see that, like she, you see her break. Essentially. Yeah, she she yeah.
1: She makes the sounds that the tethered are making right. during when they are committing violence. Yeah.
4: yeah, and then and it like at first like because I didn't know the twist, I was like, oh, they're gonna talk about how the the violence like lowers you or something. But then sure. after that, after knowing the twist, it's like, oh, this is like the violence being enacted here is kind of this it's it's a, the what 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 separates the people doing it is their their level of privilege right and like it's cool it's like okay for the main family because they're protagonists or like they're of higher they're of a higher Right. Privilege even they met, make like, the, the right sounds, right? right. Like, that's kind yes. of one of the
1: that is that is what privilege gives you. Is it gives you access? Mm-hmm. One of the things that a certain type of privilege can give you is access to violence that is acceptable, yes. right? It's like vi- yeah. you know how to dress it up, right? You have the right clothes on. Yeah. You make the right sounds when you're hurting other people.
5: Yeah,
1: uh, it's dressed up nice, and so you don't have to feel bad about it. And that is like seeing her daughter do it is like, fuck yeah, wow, you know how to use that golf club or whatever. And also, right?
3: it's the it's the sound that gives uh Adelaide away right at the right end. totally,
4: yeah, totally, and that to me also mirrors the scene just a little bit later with the sun or both of the sun figures, like on the opposite end, privilege also affords you the ability to not do violence and whether or not you are then hurt in return, right like when the the um I forgot the actual character's name the Jason
3: the little the, the, kid the little kid, yeah, yeah Jason
4: when Jason like decides that he's not going to fight his tethered right like he is okay in backing up, but the tethered is not like the tethered gets caught up in that fire because being sometimes being put in that position as a person without privilege means that you're gonna get hurt when you decide to go the nonviolent route quote unquote right like
3: right, but it was like it was non it was almost like he was washing his hands of the directness of the violence because he Mm -hmm, backed mm -hmm. away knowing that his shadow would back away into Mm -hmm, the fire as well. Like that. that's, it was just that he wasn't like in direct physical contact. And,
4: And this is one of the things where I think is an issue where they don't mirror the movements throughout the entire movie, right? Like they have some sort of agency because they mm-hmm. they chase them and like they move differently, so that's why that that scene was kind of hard for me to read as whether or not he's being forced to do this or not. Because yeah, throughout the rest of the film, he's the the tether is doing its own like they're doing their own actions. I
3: think Jason and his tethered have a particularly close connection mm-hmm. compared to the other ones. Right. Um, I think the fact that. They were alone in a closet together, and like almost like playing <sighs> right. with yeah. with the with the trick toy or whatever. Like there is there's something about their relationship that seems different and more intimate than and than the other uh, tethers. Yeah. So I wonder if that perhaps had something to do with it. Yeah.
1: Rob, you um, look
2: like you had some thoughts on this, having just seen it. Well, I was just—I was got, like, just a quick thing with Jason is that, and I think it's why it makes it interesting that he's the one to figure out what has actually happened here at the end. Jason understands, manipulates to his advantage his understanding of the connection between himself and his tethered. Uh, he understands the power dynamic that is right. like exists between them, and he uses that to like just destroy uh, his tethered at will, uh, basically by using this sort of soft form of control. Going back to the uh, Elizabeth Moss, uh, Tim Heidecker uh, scene, though, there's a few things I love here, which is that early on, there's that tension between the families, their difference in class, uh, Mm -hmm. the fact that... um, Oh, God. um, What is... Winston Duke's character's name. What's his name? Gabe. 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 Gabriel. The fact that Gabe like repeatedly expresses like, "Damn, we should have had a generator." You know, "Damn, wish we like." He wants he wants the nicer boat. He wants to get. He wants to make sure he gets a, bu- a boat the same way uh, Tim Heidecker's character gets a boat and like you know follows all the right steps. And Heideker's kind of a dick about it. He's very much the Joneses and knows he's the Joneses. And uh, you know, as much as he's their family friends, there's also this kind of like gross rivalry based on like economic. Uh, you know, uh, power and, and wealth uh, between, between the two families. But what is interesting is so the power goes out at Heidecker and Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss' place but you barely notice it because the generator kicks on. She's actually the one who hears the generator and she says, I thought I heard the generator go on. He never noticed at all. Um, and that is why there's never like a clear sign that something is wrong. The lights are like blazing from the interior of that modern house. They can't mm-hmm. see out the windows. They do not know what is happening out there, uh you know outside outside of their outside of their home. Uh, they're sort of surrounded by all these things that are meant to guarantee like security, uh resilience, protection. And all of those things actually fail them and maybe make them like complacent at a point where they should be alert. Elizabeth Moss is saying, "I think I heard something, and Tim heidecker. Uh, is just beautifully oblivious and kind of a dick about it. He makes a really asinine OJ reference in yeah. 2019. <laughs> uh, where he's like, oh, shit, it's OJ. Like, okay. Uh, it, it's such a, a weird daily reference. But the result of all that is that the family never goes on the alert, never figures out what is going on. Uh, and they're just utterly slaughtered uh, within seconds. Um, and it's... It's still a tough scene to watch. Like so you're watching a family just get massacred, uh, you know, in, in their own homes. As as dickish, in particular, as, as Heidecker's character could be, um, and there's kind of a a poignant goofiness to the fact that she's trying to get her uh, Alexa equivalent to call for help. Um, It's called Ophelia in this case, which is just great. (laughs) Uh, She's trying to tell Ophelia, uh, call the police. And she's sort of like reaching up a hand toward, uh, you know, the tethered of of her husband, uh, you know, for help. And, you know, obviously no help's coming from there. But the the Alexa stand-in doesn't hear call the police. It hears fuck the police and (laughs) begins playing the song. Uh, as the tethered kill Elizabeth Moth's, Moth's character, I think it's just an interesting. It's an interesting scene because on the like, you have to be just enough sympathy. You have to have enough sympathy for this family to like feel bad that they're getting like, including their daughters, are just getting wiped out. But also at the same time, they have to be just awful enough and just shitty enough that you can take a sort of dark glee in. The way they completely serve themselves up on a platter in the scene,
3: yeah, totally. Um, they're like their vulnerability at their own hands is, is extremely like, all right, you y'all had it coming, like, <laughs> this was a matter of time, like, you're you weren't gonna last, yeah. Um, you know, it was just, yeah, it's hard to watch, but also like. Mm, I don't know if I felt it's not that. indulgent, right? It's like, like it's, it's like it's... because of how comedic they their way out was, I didn't feel as bad. Like I felt bad because it was fucked up.
0: Yeah, they're dying, but they're dying.
3: <laughs> but also I was like, I don't know. And then and then the way that the tethered take their place was just like, you know, the the tethered uh Elizabeth Moss like doing her makeup in the mirror and stuff like that, where you like the difference wasn't that far off. Like it felt like the tether. Or it's just
0: the facade has dropped, right? Or it's just like the per- the the performative version of her mm-hmm. character is the one that is there, and then the the tethered becomes. Well, this is actually what you are. It's like the mm-hmm. true. Now def- this is right. just you being you. Well, this mm-hmm. is yeah. this
2: is the Alan Wake analogy actually for me. Like if you like the monster Alan where, w- w- keep, where, going. Uh, keep going.
0: Keep uh,
1: going. You first, just real quick. You're going to spoil Alan Wake.
2: No, I'm not. Okay. I thought you were going to. Okay. no. So remember, Alan Wake centers on these characters, the taken, which are when like the like when the dark shadow, the darkness of Alan Wake touches characters, basically steals their soul and they begin behaving in like the most caricaturized version of themselves. They go through all their routines and rhythms, but like puppets on a string. Um, and that is very much what we see happen in mm-hmm. Ma- Elizabeth Moss and, uh, you know, Heidecker's home where they're tethered. And it is interesting, like the, the, the point that, uh, you know, you're, you're both sort of getting at there um, in that in some ways the difference isn't that great. Like Tim Heidecker's right. tethered is as oblivious and indifferent and as douchey. As the real article was sitting there, you know, having daddy scotch late at night and being just a complete <laughs> asshole. Uh, Too sorry, Patrick. I don't mean to like put you on blast there, uh, but that's
0: fine. I'd yeah, I you know, hopefully I'd be a little more considerate with daddy scotch.
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was not Kirkland, uh, so you you know, you're still you're, you're you're still doing all right, but the difference may not be that great, right? They both they're they're tethered, become immediately like really like shallow and materialistic. They, well, they're they're shallow in part because that is what the existence of tethered has been allowed to be. Uh, But it is kind of an interesting comment that in terms of the essentials, how different really uh, are the, you know, is the change that's happened here between the, uh, you know, real article and the tethered who've been swapped in.
0: Um, Yeah. And also just as a, something I uh, deeply appreciated as someone that has seen, uh, a bunch of these home invasion films. They're like one of my favorites of the subgenre because they, as someone that's seen a lot of horror, it's it's often difficult to find things that really unnerve you. And like home invasion movies, like always do it because it's someone breaking into your home. Like it's just, it's sort of a a, something that always kind of gets under my skin, but traditionally these movies are set up with that family would have normally been like, the black family that's like they're in they get killed they move out and right. it's like it's such a small thing but it's not in which like the turn is actually the people who don't get much character development and are mostly just there to like illustrate a point are like the white family because that's just you watch the history of these movies and that is just not how this goes and it's just cool to see Jordan Peele you know working on multiple levels um relative to the history of the genre that he's that he's playing with
1: totally and i will say like one of the nicest things about this i obviously so in the time since the movie came out pio came out and was like i don't imagine i'm gonna ever direct a movie with like a white dude as the center of the movie probably is gonna keep being black folks and some people push back like you're gonna make a movie with a white person and which is very goofy mm-hmm. uh response and very like entitled weird like you can't imagine another world response one of the things i was gonna say that was really nice about this was that uh, this is a family that is black and, like, undoubtedly black. Blackness is at their route. But it is not a film that is, like, fundamentally about their blackness that can only be stood understood in terms of their blackness. It isn't a film, f- like, that is, like, g- get out is a film that is saying something about race in America in this moment that is talking about a history of racism, that is talking about a history of, like, uh, ways in which white liberals have done us wrong, frankly.
3: Microaggressions. Uh, all like, that shit, totally.
1: Yeah. Um, and... This is not that this is not that film. This one was is, is interested in blackness insofar as its characters are black, but it they can they can be understood in so many other ways and are they not limited to or chained to it mm-hmm. in a way, tethered to it, uh in a way that is like mm-hmm. um uh reductive, if mm-hmm. that makes sense.
0: I think that's why like Peel has been like trying to be very specific saying this movie isn't about race, which isn't him not right. him saying that race isn't a component, yeah. but yeah. it's just that like don't look at the fact Whereas Get Out was like the fact that the main character is black is like very important to the mm-hmm. story I'm telling. The fact that the characters are black in Us is just incidental to not not incidental, but like it's not
3: it, it's not just the a only black lens. So of course, right. which exactly, yeah, this movie,
1: right. The other big one is homelessness, which we haven't talked about, right? Yeah. Uh, It's the one that Mm -hmm. is most directly, I think, thematically clear. One, because when you think about underground tunnels and people who live in them, Mm -hmm. uh, you think about people who are homeless in this country, the hands across America. The movie
0: opens with a (laughs) a line about tunnels. Right. Like, I've forgotten that. Most of the way through the movie, it's like, right, there was a whole ominous series of (laughs) lines about there are thousands of miles Um, of tunnels we know nothing about. Right.
1: Uh, There's the the hands across America uh, bit at the very beginning. Replaying a a promo, but a commercial for the Hands Across America homelessness, uh, hunger, hunger, anti hunger, anti homelessness mm-hmm. campaign in, the, in 1986, which mm-hmm. is when Jordan Peele would have been seven years old, by the way. So, probably a thing that's been bouncing around in his head his whole life,
5: yeah.
1: Um, and then, and then there's also, and this is a tiny thing, but it's not that tiny of a thing. Uh, I'm gonna spoil an old horror movie, I'm gonna do it, Chud. Uh, did you notice this, Patrick? Yeah, it's hot on the.
0: Aust- okay, did you just like? I'm about to spoil an old. Yeah, but these people haven't seen it. N-
1: Natalie hasn't seen it. Cato hasn't seen it. We know that they haven't. This has come up. Listen, you have to add... In this I'm just
3: amazing. saying, I'm not... Chud's not sacred. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I appreciate it.
1: Uh, I, listen, my mentions are already as bad as they fucking need to be. <laughs> I don't need 32 white dudes in my mentions tonight being like, how could you spoil oh, Chud? You, I was oh, this, just, this is just gonna about stop to spoil that? Chud. It was on my, was my list. Gonna, <laughs> it was on my listicle. <laughs> I just I have, signed up for Shudder. Oh, exactly. I was gonna say Shudder. Exactly that. I love Shudder. I was gonna say.
0: I'm not drag. I love Shudder. I love Shudder. I'm just saying. Chud. It's those people. It is those people.
3: So what happens in Chud? It's Spoilers which is for acronym. Chud, everyone. Spoilers for the movie and Chud. Should, you know what I don't worry,
0: we'll separately record a thing that we put uh-huh, up at the top to says. make sure yeah. that uh uh-huh. um, at such a time,
1: Chud spoilers. Uh Chud is a movie about monsters from underneath uh, the sub in the subway. You know what? Dia got shit for spoiling Chud in her review. I believe. So, really? anyway, are you fucking I'm really pretty sure. True? What the her, fuck? Her, her Tomb Raider review.
5: Really? Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. Anyway,
1: anyway. Um, the the Chud Chud is about monsters underneath New York City, and uh, then the tunnels of New York City. Mm-hmm. They are, of course, in the the reveal of it is they are homeless people who have been. Uh, hit by toxic dumps and radioactive dumps that mm-hmm. corporations just like, oh, put it under fucking ground. Who cares? Yeah. It doesn't hurt anybody. And I think that that is like c- clearly involved with this, that oh, is yeah. clearly in relation to this. And homelessness in general ends up yeah. being one of the questions here, partially because, not only because uh, the Hands Across America thing, but this is a family that's going to their summer home.
3: Well, it's specifically Santa Cruz, right? And R- yes. like Southern California, Los Angeles. Yes. Los Angeles and Santa Cruz are far from each other, but Santa, Santa Cruz is more like itself. Santa Jose,
0: right? Right.
3: Yeah. Uh, but Santa Cruz it's, it itself has a huge homeless problem.
0: Yeah. And like on that actual boardwalk, which, you know, I've been to the Santa Cruz boardwalk a bunch of times. Like, that's like a very common thing if you live in San Francisco is to like, go take a weekend vacation mm-hmm. to Santa Cruz. Like, that's like a, that's just a stereotype of living in that area. Um, and there's, yeah, there's a bit where uh, a couple of times in the film, starting with, you uh, the Opening, um, where uh, you see, you know, a homeless person carrying uh, a sign referencing a um, a passage from the Bible, which I think Austin did you pull up with the actual? I th- someone, I someone did, yeah, right? Yeah. I've read it. Oh, you have a kata? Oh, yeah, go for it. Can you read it? Uh, yeah,
4: therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them which they shall not be able to escape, and though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Shout outs. Yeah. Which is
3: <laughs> it's basically like the end of the world uh pa- like it comes from isn't it like the revelations or whatever? No, it's it's no.
1: no it wouldn't be that because Jeremiah
4: It's old testament
1: would be old testament if you're if you're Christian. Yeah. yeah. Um it's about a broken covenant. It's about it, I'm not gonna quickly try to summarize. I looked this up two weeks ago, like a week ago and ever f- mm. since forgotten. Um, but yeah. Uh, and also of course there's just like the aesthetic of the mirrored. Well, that's 11s, a trope, a trope right? in horror yes.
0: films is also the like, like ranting and raving homeless person often using a biblical verse. Um, and so, and it's like that in particular is like where I like start to wonder like, how much is, how much is that misdirection from peel in which he's like, all right, I, you know, I know you're looking for stuff. I know here's something to throw out there. Um, I don't know. Like it's – it's, and that's also the part of the movie where it's the ominous and like you're looking for signs of like when things are going to yeah, take yeah, yeah. Uh, their their turn. Um, but – There's another uh, thing. Yeah, so I'm,
1: on, the, oh, on the homelessness here that I think is super important, which is that they don't – I mean this is obvious. They don't have homes, right? They mirror us in every way except they live in super cramped dorm rooms. With like military style bunk beds and are acting out the, they're kind of miming human behavior inside of cramped h- corridors in, uh, you know, doorways. Um, so, literally, the physical spatiality of it is such that it's not like they get in a car and drive to a fake, like, uh, a, co- uh, a copy of our homes, right? They yeah. like sh- shutter their way through these hallways, bouncing into each other. They are cramped. There is not much space to live in. And I think yeah. that is like, Again, if you wanted to make that reading, that is another reading that you can end up making. For sure. And tie it to the earlier stuff around, like, do they have access to being able to change that situation, right? Like, you know, we live in a country where a lot of powerful people would say that if you were homeless, the way to solve that is to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, go and start interviewing for jobs and have Never mind the tons of homeless
2: have jobs. And, like, right. Yeah. Literally, like, 100%. Like, like, housing is now unaffordable. Yes. Exactly. Yeah.
1: It's fucked. It's fucked.
2: Um, quick thing. I think the movie also gives us something here, which is that it is really fun watching our protagonist family just tear through that home and just like kill the, like just kill these Uh monsters. Like when, when Jason picks up the fucking, uh, mineral, oh, the, big the rock, fucking rock. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, we're all in on this. Like, the family He's is going to fucking kill Gio. someone with this rock. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm, here, I'm like, yeah, all right. The family, like, we've <laughs> all, like, we're on the same page here. We're going to come together as a family and, like, kick some ass. And they do. The kids really, the kids really put in work here. Uh, it's, it's great. But, Oh man, and killing tethered Tim Heidecker, and it's sort of douchey, like almost like uh, coming down the stairs, like in Lebowski in the dance sequence. Yes, (laughs) Uh, it's so fucking good. Um, But it is also a moment of like unalloyed triumph for the family. Like we're gonna feel good about this victory. I loved also the uh, the bit where they like, should we just hole up there and pull some like do some Home Alone shit? And oh, so she's like, you funny. did, you did not, you didn't just re- like reference Home Alone. The Kids were
1: like, what's Home Alone? <laughs> what are oh, micro yeah. machines? <laughs> what are mi- what are micro machines? That's what it was uh, specifically. It's so fucking. Good. What's home- I, I'm glad they knew they watched enough uh, Breakfast and Battlegrounds to know that you don't just hole up mm-hmm. in a house. You got to keep moving. No,
0: no de- murder. You no think house. it sounds. There's a there's a logic to yeah. it, but it just falls apart, falls apart. really quickly because people that know what they're doing, they're gonna go in your murder yeah. house and well, and they're murder gonna murder. It turns into yeah. a house for yeah. also. There's a lot of glass
1: mm-hmm. windows in that house. It's not a great yeah. murder house. No, no
2: modern no. homes are, murder are not. House. <laughs> that's that's the thing is like a designer modern home is not like oh. while desirable for a lot of reasons. It's not where I would like, you know, make my they life. They got to call the
3: guy from that first movie we did for this series from The Purge. <laughs> yeah, that guy, he'll hook you up. He'll hook you <laughs> up. <laughs> he'll shut it down. Except no it wasn't. It was security theater. It's uh, it didn't, yeah. it didn't work know, of of The Purge
5: either. Yeah, yeah. but,
2: uh, but from that scene, we get to them starting to engage in a series of like final battles with their tethered. And I think at this point, the this is where it begins to start feeling icky, right? Like it be like because now you are seeing them. We don't really have much of a feeling for Winston Duke's, um, for 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 Gabe's tethered, because um, that almost becomes like a boat comedy. He just boat. acts as sort of a Jason Voorhees type, yes,
5: like, yeah.
0: And that's like that. Peel's just pulling from that. Like the the movie is like very selective about the humanization of. The tether deliberately, right? Like, to, you yeah. know, both for like comedic and dramatic effect. And then I think, as you're alluding to Rob, like in the the back third is when it starts like really, like poking. We feel at empathy, like for the first time, you're right?
2: Yeah, and I, and I think this is we we get the triumph at Elizabeth Moth's and uh, Elizabeth Moth's, uh, Elizabeth Elizabeth <laughs> Mosses and Heidecker's uh, house. But right after that, we start being forced to reckon with like what are the real differences between. Uh, you know, Gabe, Addie, uh, Jason's, or well, like, what are the real differences between them? Like, why are we on their side and not actually mm-hmm. on the side of the tethered? Right. Like why does one deserve uh, to go on living a life in the sun and the other should go back to where they came from or be slaughtered, uh, you know, in, in the streets. Uh, and I think we got our first taste of that um, with, it, it, it follows a funny bit—the uh, argument between the family of who has the highest kill count, uh, and Zora is demanding <laughs> that she she's going to drive. Uh, but they end up like hitting tethered Zora with the car and sort of like punting her into the trees and like physically just like breaking her body. God, yeah. And <sighs> Addie gets out of the car and walks into the trees to find her. And at first, like. Tavi appears still be ready to fight and still like trying to fuck people up, but then like she realizes she she, she kind of has that realization of like she's dying, and you see uh, you know Addy looking up and re- like there's this recognition of like it's this horrible thing where on some level she is watching her daughter die that like it, it, you know it's the it's the mirror image of your child it c- might yeah. as well be yours and she and like it especially given been, right
1: yes it would have the, the been twist, hers. yeah
2: yeah yes that's exactly yeah. it. And I think from that point on the entire, like, we, we've had now the fun, is, to a degree, some of the fun is over, right? Like, now we are starting to watch this from the perspective of what do people deserve here? Like, what is actually, like, this is why I was thinking, like, you know, what's just what is in this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you start to see that it begins with, with Addie, where, where she starts to realize that, um, you know, there's, there, there's a kinship there, uh, or should have been. And
1: but it's also slippery, right? Like, that is Mm -hmm. the thing that is so effective for me about the final act is that I never knew what I wanted to happen in the broad sense or even in the micro sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I guess I wanted the characters who could speak and who were going to tell funny jokes to keep doing that, Mm -hmm. in like, I mean, that in like a most guttural, like way an animal way of just like yeah the ones who can make me laugh them they win please but what i think of it in this higher sense of like what is justice what is the outcome here that feels like victory besides simple survival it became really hard to to enumerate that mm-hmm. because what is what is that like do i want a, a someone who has a suit on and like an american flag pin to like turn to the camera and go the tethered are, we're going to give them all homes like that's not what i want from the end of that movie like what do i want yeah. and that's i love that about this like i actually really liked that i i wanted these characters to come into conflict the thing i wanted most is, and is what we got was for Addie and red to kind of relitigate the the kind of faults that they're the pain that they caused each other, the ways in which they hurt each other, and how that pain is not e- equal, but it's also almost not of kind. It's like they're very specific mm-hmm. pains that they caught each other caused each other that are not mirrored exactly, and both of them are guilty. Both of them have done something that is has caused lots of pain, and it's it's ugh, it's really complex to try to pick apart mm-hmm. and that's part of why. I ended up really liking it.
3: Yeah, because both of them are vying for survival. Both of them are trying to do right by their families. Right. Both of them are, you know, trying to find a sense of protection and security and and trying to make it out alive. Right. Honestly.
1: And it's like Addie Addie was denied a life of general a comparative comfort and ease. Mm-hmm. One where she, or sorry, not Addie, Red was denied a life of comparative comfort and ease where she could have lived and, and strived and had a, a fantastic life. Or
0: even just access to the potential right, for it. totally. That.
1: And was denied that utterly. Was That was taken from her. Right. But also the fact that she had those things was built she on was, the back yeah, of, born, of Yeah, born, born into, into it. it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And, and is now like violently carrying out Uh, retributive justice Mm -hmm. and that is so interesting um and for me like that final act specifically the stuff after um jason and Mm -hmm. his tether with the fire but like the the stuff underground that culminates in that dance sequence which like had me on the brink of tears which was like i don't why am i so moved by this completely floored me. Mm-hmm. Um, even more than any of the words that were exchanged, even more than any of the speeches or like the the fight scene in general, like that way it intercut the fight scene and the dance The dance stuff was so powerful. And the music. music. And, the music. It's just- Un- and like what a fucking Babe Ruth moment of putting that music in your fucking trailer and yeah. then still knocking yes. the scene out of the mm-hmm. park where you, de- where you deploy
4: it. Which is a get, which is a
0: get like part of like, it's like you get so lost in like Jordan Peele, his intent because he's work like, clearly made the conscious choice. I'm going to put this in the thing that everyone's going to see right before they go see my movie. Mm-hmm. And they're going to think, Oh, that's just, I'm waiting for that. And then you've forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, It's at the top of the movie, right? You get the original version of the song and then you get the remix trailer version at the, at the, like the, the biggest moment of the film. It's just the fact that you're making a movie where you're conscious of the trailer viewing experience and how that will then impact the watching of the actual film is just like, it just got, uh, just no one else is doing that. <laughs> yeah.
3: I think uh, one of the most fascinating things about that dance scene specifically was to see the two characters act in simultaneity, but not necessarily mimesis. And yes. this wasn't yes. that, like, it made me ask, like, what if both were to exist? Right. Like, what if, what if, both were above ground, what would it mean to have two Adelaides? What would it mean for Adelaide and Red to exist simultaneously? And the answer is that they're different. They're like, well, I don't know what the answer is, but what that dance did for me is to see uh, Red express herself through through something that she loved and and to see adelaide do it as well and but they were just different it was like they were they were both communicating in in dance their emotions but just they because there's like they have different personhoods it just like came out differently and that was such like a fascinating thing to 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 watch it was one of my favorite scenes
1: Totally, I, like I wish that scene was available to watch and rewatch right now. Like yeah, it will yeah. be in six months or whatever; it'll be all over YouTube, and we'll all be able to be like, "Wow, whenever you watch that scene, whenever I want to." But <laughs> I wish I could do that right now because it was it was that sharp, and the difference between their so for me, like that scene ends up being. I mean, in not even for me in the in the story of this of this movie, uh, uh, red dancing for the tethered is the moment that things begin to break for them, mm-hmm. and they recognize something. Um, they see original production for the first time. They or, or stop miming. Right, they stop miming in that moment, exactly, mm-hmm. and see her dancing, and she is not doing the exact same dance, mm-hmm. but it's also not quite like a, what we've seen before as sort of like a stuttering echo of the human action. Mm-hmm. She, is com- she is doing a dance that feels complete and feels um, uh, like appropriate to right. the rhythm and the beat. She isn't off or anything like that in that moment. And she... That's the moment when like they seem to understand that they too are people or something right that they too are have an individual agency or that's like how she explains it. I wish I had again the, the exact words in front of me. yeah. um and that is interesting for someone who is making art obviously is like, aha we can we can break through this the false consciousness by way of art is a pretty optimistic, you know uh, perspective to have, obviously um and then, um, but but also this is like part of what ends up being really tricky about the movie for me, which is what I said at the top was like, if this switch never occurred, <laughs> one is like, how did we get here to begin with? Do we get here because I guess we get here because Red walks away from her father, mm-hmm. and in in doing that, Addie also gets to walk away from the group, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And like walks up to the mirror, so to speak, and they swap. But from that point forward, is Red Red is is Red miming Addy, or no? She's just living down there.
3: She's just. that's I think, she, or
1: there's still a there's still a tug between the
3: two. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't
0: know. This is this. this so this is where the like James Bondian yes. villain, like conscious, and, and again because it's Jordan Peele, he is so versed in horror. He knows what he's doing. In which like a lot of these horror films, you know, at, work in mystery, and then the third act is like there's a moment where like aha, like here's what was driving everything. And he has said that like this movie has like a story bible. He knows exactly why mm-hmm. the, the uh, they have red jumpsuits. They use scissors, even though these things are not explained to any degree in in the film. He says that he has internal explanations for for all that stuff. So it's not. Although this movie is working in metaphor and allegory, it is also very explicitly literal. In that he has come up with lo- in his mind logical reasons for why the characters have been able to accomplish what they've been able to accomplish, even if it ends up working on those different trajectories. But like, this is where I find the exposition dump that happens to be like very muddling because again, like we found ourselves going, well, you end up losing like the emotional, like crux of what I feel like thematically the story is going for mm-hmm. by falling apart in, well, the, the story gave me just enough of an explanation to like start to wonder about what, okay, then how does all that other stuff work? Cause maybe it's connected to the themes but doesn't give me enough to, like, complete it. Yeah. And then leaves me feeling messy and ambiguous in a way that is part of why I've enjoyed the discussion about the movie afterwards, where, like, everyone starts piling in their thoughts and, like, oh, we can make those connections together. And maybe that's conscious on his part. Yeah. But also I don't think that necessarily forgives what I do think is a messy, clunky way to introduce that exposition and that the movie would have benefited more from telling us less because in my the, – the solutions we would have come with in our head, they're like, oh, maybe this is how it works, is more – allows us to find more thematic connections than – well, we know it works like this. So then it must work like that. Right. Yeah. And then you just don't find the A to B to C when I wish there just was less understanding of how A to B to C even works.
3: Instead of feeling like you're hitting dead ends, like leaving those kind of as open questions – um, but, but I do think that the the highlight of my experience of this movie is in conversation, is in what mm-hmm. happens after. And I think that's so special and um, uh, significant and meaningful that a movie can um, sustain like such extended dialogue and discussion after. Um that like is the marker and and not just like okay, what happened, but further than that, including that, um, to 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 continue to to kind of ponder at these things and for these questions to get stuck in your head is the mark of, you know a very interesting work.
0: And I, And I think prop, I think there's like a deliberate, Attempt to get a, so as useful as a term like the sunken place is to like give a descriptor to like a larger idea. This movie is like very specifically not giving us terms and phrases for how to wrestle with like the themes that it's conveying. And so I think part of the reason the movie drives so much conversation afterwards is because Peel didn't give us the language in the movie to like simply communicate like the themes that it's wrestling with. So that's why you can get really reductive with get out and just say the sunken place, which is like it's true, but also like that's not it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. with us, I think part of the reason the conversation is so like electric and exciting is because he didn't he didn't supply that in the work itself and instead asks the audience to figure it out for themselves or or wrestle in like the, the frustrating ambiguity is the point, I think, because if the movie, you know you know, the final shot of the movie of them holding hands, which is reflective of like a societal attempt to do something that didn't actually get at the root of a problem. and was a fruitless effort that was purely performative. Mm -hmm. Like that's like a really ugly, frustrating way for a movie to end, especially relative to the twist, because you're both simultaneously left with who was I rooting for? Mm -hmm. Why was I rooting for them? Actually, maybe there's no one to root for here. (laughs) And Did Red actually accomplish anything for the people? They've made a point, but, like, what comes next? Was it just as fruitless as Hands Across America getting people to pitch in some money and then actually the production of Hands Across America, like, cost, like, some like more than, or not, like, basically no money went to actually help the people that they said it was going to help. So, like, all that messiness, like, the anger, like, the divisiveness over the movie feels, like, very much the point because you're not supposed to, coming out, the notion that you come out of any of these things with cleanly like, well, if we just did this, we'd fix it. And I think the point of us is like, no, that that's not that's not how it works. It's actually a systemic infrastructure. Like it is, it goes so much deeper than just yeah. do this and then we we find a solution to the problem.
4: And I feel like that system is what the movie to me was like kind of talking about. That when like the dem like the, there's a difference between like protest and demonstration and hands across america in that like for people paid to be in that line people had to take out time in a way that you have to be in a certain pace of privilege in order to be able to do that sort of action right like this it, that's what that's why like that seemed mm. to me kind of cinched the idea that this was talking about how people uh or like in our current in the in the States, this idea of the American dream and like the want of a certain level of privilege and then like what people with that privilege actually do. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the they don't necessarily like it's it's not necessarily like giving us any answers as to like, well, how do you fix it or anything like that? But it's like asking the question like what are you doing with your time? Like is it worthwhile? Like is it Is is are you using your privilege just to make yourself feel good? Right, right, which is what that like, kind of like, immense like, sort of like action of like all the way across like America's a big fucking like there's a lot there's a lot of people a lot of time to like when like. Did that actually help, right? No. Or was not, it spectacle? Right. It was all yeah. Right.
1: I mean I uh, the my I my only counter to the comparison like when I see that, I didn't see and I've read this take from people who said that like, oh and what it's saying is like maybe this little like micro revolution of of the tethered is also going to come come to naught and like isn't going to change their situation. Like no, their situation's changed. They killed a bunch of people. Yeah. They like are above, they see like a lot of people and they see the sun for the first time. Like for the first time e- ever. And like whether or not it makes things good for them going forward, who knows, right? Like it's I don't It's not necessarily like something not,
3: to, like I don't come away with the feeling like I'm supposed to be rooting for someone. But, but, right, but, I'm, but I'm...
1: I guess my the, the thing I want to just make sure is super clear on this is like, I'm not saying... I want to be clear. I, I've seen the, the read that it's like, and just like Hands Across America, this is ineffectual in right. the end because it doesn't right. solve the problem. Like, no, I don't read it. I read it as like a mocking of Hands Across America. i yeah. sort of like, you know what? Fuck right. you that you ever thought. Like, oh, yeah, Hands Across America, motherfucker. Yeah. Here, we're going to hold ours and they're going to be covered in your blood and you're going to have to like see us for – it's. It's Hands Across America was not people who were homeless holding Hands Across America. Yeah. That is right. the, the thing, right? Mm-hmm. If it had been, it may have been more effective. Right, because it would have been uh, forcing you see us, you see us look, at, look us. at us, stop looking away. And in fact, city, you know, urban planning policy for the last forever has been how do we make sure we don't see the people who we fail to serve and who we take advantage of? How do we make sure that they don't have access to public infrastructure like like transit How do we inventions? make sure home
2: prices go up forever?
1: Yes, exactly. And obviously like, there is also, and I've seen this read out there too, the, the like, and I think this is probably, there's like, oh, wow, it is literally a big red line, right? Like they've, if you want to- A wall. Or a wall, right. No, there's no, the, no, no. oh, there, and I like, ah, it doesn't quite work for me. I think you're, I think there's a, it's not like, oh, you're reaching, but I think that there are other, other reads that are more convincing for me.
0: Yeah, it's not that this isn't a post-Trump movie. Right. Like, it is obviously a post-Trump movie. But to simplify it to is just, "Ha, okay. Trump!" Like, I is is too. Okay. Do you want to say it? Do you want to? Yeah, I can yeah, I can't. No, I'm not reading the bad take <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, it's,
2: there's a take. Was it? I don't know where, where it was. Which which shitty piece? Slash
1: film it? or something? Maybe. Oh my
2: god. Um. <laughs>
1: yeah. So someone needs the slash film piece. Yeah.
2: I I I did really enjoy also the writer admitting like in the same graph that that take sucked. Uh, Uh but uh, the fact that people were probably typing right now to tell him how much he sucked meant he was right. Uh, I think the tethered (laughs) represent the modern Republican Party. That sound Ah! you hear is many people angrily clicking away, but follow me on this. They're cloaked in red, the color associated with Republicans, and only Republicans. They're united front (laughs) during a time when Democrats are quibbling among themselves, and as you mentioned, they feel wronged and angry. When asked who they are, red answers... We are Americans. The Tethered have been there all along, and they look just like we do. During that big Bonsai Exposition dump, Red says the scientists have created the Tethered forgot about us, reflecting the fears of white, rural, Republican voters in coal country. There's a huge visual cue Mm -hmm. in the film that lends the most support to this read, but we'll get to that shortly. I'm assuming the visual cue is the closing shot on the hills of California, uh, known coal country. Um, as we, uh, you know, as as we, as we all learned in the books, what I hate about this is, um, there are times when existed, like there are a lot of reasons the Trump era sucks, but I'm specifically talking about like aesthetically, uh, in terms of like artistic criticism, acting like Trump is this useful prism to examine American life and is the only prism. In fact, that we should apply to anything that is that everything we see has to be shot through the lens of this fucking oaf and Fox news. And that's how we should interpret everything as this. Oh, this is clearly about this movie has villains. You know, who else is a villain? Uh, Trump supporters. (laughs) Like it is consistently (laughs) sucking the air out of the room. And also managing to extinguish the more critical thought that like this moment probably should be provoking. Uh, This notion that the only forgotten people in America who have grievances or (laughs) the only forgotten people in America who like have a reason to act, to lash out are like Trump voters
0: is absurd. Look, I've read the New York Times. There's been a lot of pieces uh-huh. that, you know, just. Well,
2: <sighs> and, and also it's, it is frustrating because it is also to keenly miss the point. I think this is increasingly dangerous. To keenly miss the point about who is actually forgotten, who is actually marginalized. Trump voters in general are not those people. Uh, like if like poor people did not elect Donald Trump. Uh, In many cases, like his staunchest support would have been from people like Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss in this movie. Like that is, Mm -hmm. that is Trump country. That is who these people are. The device that they are forgotten and ignored is useful rhetoric, but it is rhetoric designed to mislead whose interests uh, that, that movement actually represents. The other thing that like and this is the part where this this kills me. This liberal critique also then allows you to wash your hands of all the bad shit. Oh, anything this movie is saying about forgotten classes, marginalized people, people lashing out—clearly, that's about the people I've you know I've deemed to be responsible for for everything that's bad in the world, uh, who are the villains of this moment, and that's Trump voters. And right. Right. that is preposterous. Like the preconditions for. Massive disenfranchised, marginalized classes existing uh, in in dismal conditions with no opportunity and no voice uh, is a bipartisan failure. Like like we all bear responsibility for this. This is you know we are Americans. This is a societal wide uh, problem. And to say uh, you know it just should have voted for Hillary. Like to 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 <laughs> like to watch this movie and be like, "Damn, this is about 2016." I, like, God. get your head examined.
1: My my bigger one there is just the, I, I I get how in the time of Trump you're like looking for a handhold and you're like, "How can this help elucidate my current situation?" The thing that actually bothers me more about this read is the image of anyone sitting through this movie and being like. Those are the Republicans, the bad ones. Those bad guys are the Republicans because it like – it so dramatically undersells the work that Peel did to make you actually feel like these people have claim, right? That like regardless of whether or not you think they should kill hundreds of thousands of people between the coasts and the, and the, and the mountains of California, that they have real claim on like – injustice that has been done to them
0: and also we don't know the politics of this family oh, at all right no, 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 like, no, no totally ju- ju- just ju- like none of like none of like it's just as likely that you know i mean probably not but i've been mean, like there's 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 the movie is deliberately not like uh, yeah I, the biggest
1: thing for me really is just like i can't imagine watching this film and not feeling bad for the tethered and if the way that you're seeing <laughs> them is as republicans it's like you're not having that experience damn at all, that's probably. charlottesville
2: you're, like that's oh. like that's like I mean this is that's the that's the level of misreading I think you're quite like well heeled yes. uh, white supremacists, they're yes, they're the forgotten people in this. Like it's it's kind of a grotesque reading. Uh the thing I couldn't get out of my head is the fact like dog, they are all wearing red. Like, this is a mass uprising by a disenfranchised, like, underclass. They're
1: they're all wearing red and holding golden instruments that cut things. Like, you could go a lot of easy places here. I would have gone sickle. I would have gone red and gold. Maybe you would have put that. You would have gone that. No, too easy. (laughs)
5: <laughs> gotta stretch it further
1: and like you know again make make reads that are productive for you understand and like for what it's worth this this critic is like I know this is not the only read or I think his friend immediately goes it's actually extremely funny because his friend goes like um and what I love about this movie is that you can you can make any read you want and there's still <laughs> it's still good like I'm not gonna you're about to get dunked on by a lot of people
0: but but uh yeah it's extremely good
1: god is there anything else? And,
0: you know, the, the movie could be working on the level, like you don't put, like the color red just means something different yes. now, right? Like it's, I you can't not look at the color red and not think of that hat, <laughs> think of like that aesthetic. So it's like, yeah, on some level, the movie is is consciously choosing to use the color sure. red, even if it's not exclusive to Donald Trump. But in some ways, I wonder if the movie is inviting those sort of like shallow misreadings because in in doing so, you're illustrating the point of the movie... At its
1: core. Yeah, the, uh, the exact thing- Is a shit. This other critic, because this is like a, it's a, it's not a letter series, but it's like a back and forth between two critics in which this this read happens. His friend or his, his co-worker says, uh, first of all, your read on this ending chills me to the bone and I love how completely and totally valid it is despite being very different from my own. I'm just picturing Jordan Peele chuckling as everyone draws such different conclusions from his work. <laughs> and there's a way to read that where you're like- Yeah, probably mm-hmm. true. Yeah, almost certainly true.
2: God. I, I'm not sure, like, for me, genuinely, I don't necessarily think the, like, red uprising reading is necessarily all that fall off the, far off the mark. One of the things in this movie, like, there's a line I kept returning to over the over the course of this movie. Um, God, what? I had to click away from it because of uh, me being, having to read the shitty take. Um, <laughs> yeah, so there's this quote. Uh, from uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Uh, All your life you live so close to the truth it becomes a permanent blur in the corner of your eye. And when something nudges it into outline it is like being ambushed by a grotesque. That is the place this movie inhabits uh, in a lot of ways. like the, I think the point it is making is that there are things we choose not to know. There are things we choose not to see. And there's a Day of Reckoning that comes from that kind of willful ignorance and lack of empathy. And in, the, and this is why like a lot of people have been massacred over the course of this movie. Like it, it is a horror movie. Uh, this, <laughs> this is a, a, a bloody and awful and, and traumatic night. But at the end of it, you were also left wondering like, did the perpetrators of that villain, that, that violence have, have a valid grievance. And by the end, I think increasingly a lot of us do. We have, a, we have sympathy for them, for, for the lo- the hand they've been dealt, the lot they've been dealt. And I think it's crucial that uh, Addie and Red have been swapped. It's literally like, literally it's a reshuffling of the deck that they're swishing, like each could as easily have slipped into the other's life. There's no, yeah. there's no material, con- like this was neither of their destinies. It just is a condition It is a thing that happened to them is the is the chance of life and class in america
4: well well it feels like part of the point that the movie tries to make is that it's not it's not fate this was a system that was created to uphold certain people and put down others other people right like the the there they were made and like the tethered were made by another which like to me is like reading as like the systems mm-hmm. that keep people oppressed are made yes. are created by others. They're people. human systems. Yes. They're not
1: some ancient occult supernatural right. truth yeah. that has always existed. And there was a year before which the tethered did not exist. Right.
3: Yeah. And the fact that uh Red recognizes this and is not trying to escape her just for herself. Like she knows where the outside is. I think you could run up that escalator really fast and probably get out. <laughs> yeah. Like the fact they that somehow, right? Right. The fact that she I I think she like recognizes the injustice here and instead um you know makes an effort to lift everyone out and and to like inspire everyone to see that there is more that they if they that there's more out there that they are not being afforded um because she could go swap with adelaide and do it in a way that maybe no one would ever know right maybe no one well except for the voice thing right right (laughs) so maybe not but i don't know maybe (laughs) like yeah um but yeah, so she 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 except that
1: real people do have those people have right, that that voice right, right? Like right. That voice is not a thing that regular people don't have. Right, right, so exactly. It is, it is she totally could yeah, do that. Totally, right?
3: yeah, yeah, totally. So, uh, but the fact that she instead, you know, f- like finds some sort of identification with this collective and mm-hmm. decides that together, um, and that only together um, they will leave, is uh, significant and i i think that you know it it says a lot about someone who does have access to not step first and to not you know like she's not making moves just for herself it is like a collective effort mm-hmm. she's she's going with her family she's going with um
5: her. everybody else right yeah. all the people
1: she's like brought like she's a vanguard for this group she's the person who helps lead them there but i think one of the important things that gets it away from this sort of like she's not she's not like an outside savior coming in because she doesn't um, she doesn't show up there and going aha i'm going to make it my life's work to save these people she gets down there and then suffers for seven years or whatever right. then does that dance and then slowly begins to plan and plot and figure out what to do mm-hmm. next right and i that that is a, an important distinction that he could have fallen into that trap. Right? People could have written a story in which she goes down there and immediately starts to be like, "This is unfair. I'm going to help people," right. and that's not what happens. She goes down there and is terrified and eats a bunch of raw rabbit and like lives a miserable life. Yeah, and eventually finds this this moment where she can strike. Right. Um, and I don't know why this is the moment. We don't need to know why. I, like, I don't. I, I think that that's like, like again yeah, one of the reasons I I end up liking this film is because it wants to play with allegorical um, filmmaking and allegorical storytelling and mm-hmm. setting without being too caught up in it. It's so interested in like, hey, think about these places. Think about what these shapes look like to you and make you feel mm-hmm. that I don't get too caught up in the like, well, who built the escalator? Right, exactly. <laughs> right? Um, et cetera. It just
3: doesn't feel yeah as important.
1: Yeah, I definitely – I. <sighs> You know that if I had the pure Marxist reading, I would take it. But I think there's just such a distinct – I think this is an uprising. I don't know that it's – I think it's a collectivist uprising. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's an uprising of the proletariat because they are not put upon in that direct way. They are – like Cotto said, certainly, like, there is the, the abstract way of, like, your way of living causes us to live like this.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, to me, that uh, Which th- is, that was, like, the idea of wanting that almost right. but they were being forced to want that by the system. Right. You're being sure. put into a structure where you you're you're looking you're, up look, and you're, saying, you're told yeah. yeah
1: this is how you should want to live. Right. Totally, totally. I think that part is absolutely right. I do I do like I I'm I want people to make sure that they leave this think and don't go to Twitter like well what waypoint said was that it's about <laughs> class relations in a very clean way. I think it's like it's about class relations, but in a very messy way, and mm-hmm. not in the way that we think about. Like this is not a movie about fuck the one percent in that clean way because no. it is not about how we are making the one percent money. In fact, that was the failure of the of the of- the the goal of the experiment was to create people, create a way to control the people above, and that failed. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So
3: yeah. Again, byproduct. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Rob, you had
0: something there. Rob, did you have one? Last I was just, thing that I was like- just
2: thinking. I think one reason this movie defies easy class, like again, I keep returning that line: "We're Americans." I think one reason this movie yeah. defies that clean class reading is because American class consciousness and the way we conceive of ourselves and the way we picture our society is very un-Marxist, uh, and that has been by intent and design. But in general, like American political discourse likes to pretend these distinctions, these structures don't really exist. It likes to obscure them. It likes yes. to frame America as existing in a separate political tradition and reality uh where those material <laughs> relationships don't matter. And so I think that's like one reason like like one reason you have this this depiction of the tether and what their uprising looks like and they're not a proletariat because literally Americans don't think of themselves as the proletariat <laughs> right, in general. right? Um, and I think this is very much to the point is there's the sense of there being an injustice and inequality, a, a power imbalance. But it doesn't follow into those neat allegorical lines relating to Marxism because like that is not – that is like that – that is not the – neither, neither the, ide- the societal ideal – this is popular in America, nor its dreads really f- follow the same the same lines of thought. And I think that's why this movie looks the way it does.
1: Yeah.
0: There are two small things, that, like, as I had thought through some of the logic that the movie sets up is, one, there's like a throwaway thing early on where the movie is like very much playing up the notion of coincidence, right? There's like the clock at 11.11. Mm-hmm. There's the Frisbee that ends up in the circle. <laughs> that the movie is like really being like, uh-huh. By uh huh, <laughs> um, that it doesn't end up doing anything with, but the character like Lupita's character remarks upon it, like she's nervous about the coincidences in a way that's suggesting. I think this is part of when Peel suggests there's more going on than he lets. Like I do think that's like a hint to like a some larger part of a mythology that he's thought about that he doesn't get into in this film. And the other thing I wondered about is like if you think about the way this would this movie touches on this, but like. Um, the the unnamed ho- uh, homeless character from earlier in the film, we do see him get die later in the film, right? No. Yeah, no, he's he's being loaded into the ambulance. No, uh, dead. Loaded into the ambulance. Yeah. and oh. like yeah, one yeah. Of things uh, I started wondering through of the film is like, right, so what we're seeing are like a, an underclass going to their privileged counterparts, but like by the, the very nature of like what's been set up here, like there are loads of underclass right. who are just going to confront underclass versions of themselves. Yeah who have gotten nothing from society. And so when Peel has talked about like other angles he could take, I can't help but like wonder like different versions of this movie or like different perspectives that involve like what happens when like you go above to think like, haha, I'm going to go find like that like rich, privileged person who's like made it up here. And it turns out like they're in a gutter too. And like they're just as happy to pick up a knife (laughs) and like join hands with you. And like I just think they're like really interesting implications of like the goal like whatever the goals of the movement are but then confronted with the, the actual realities of what's happening on the surface are just like even if even if he never explores it are interesting implications for like what's set yeah, up yeah
1: totally that's really really well spotted
0: um so I think that's gonna do it uh for better or for worse mostly for worse that means that we're done talking about us um <laughs> you know we love to talk about this us. has been like a really fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> Now we're going to, lore reasons, uh, Austin Walker, first episode, um, six episode season. Um, yeah, this it turns has been a lot of fun. 12. Like I, I, like I said, <laughs> um, you know, like what this was born out of like us trying to find like different way, like to try and a lot of what waypoint does is, oh man, this conversation we're having in our discord. Like what if we just did that in front of a mic? Yeah. I bet people would dig it. And so while we are calling it a hiatus and I ex- expect we'll be back doing some other stuff. Um, in the event that somehow that doesn't, like, happen for whatever reason. Like, I wanted to make sure and express, like, how much fun it's been to, like, both talk with all of you. And I know Danielle's not here, but talking with Danielle, like, you know, the geek out about movies like Event Horizon and just to, like, ha- like have those deeper reads on mm-hmm. shit that we otherwise are just having, like, little back and forths with in um, uh, our chat. And then the people who have listened, supported, written in, like – it's been a lot of fun cool. and is like part of what has made Waypoint such a great place to be a part of for the past couple of and years. And I will so, say that y'all have, um, you
1: did turn out to listen to it, like to yeah. listen to us talk about com- like complete shit that is not video games. This
0: is not being sh- like, let's say, like, not hiatus hi- 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 is not because we haven't done numbers that we shouldn't be proud of. Like, even just on a, like, a yeah. pure like commerce traffic level, like we people sold ads. Up, you probably heard I, more
1: ads on this than you yeah, heard yeah. on Waypoint, or more radio. Radio. Yeah. <laughs> Waypoint yeah. radio does way bigger numbers and than yet, this. The ad and like, this
0: is the one that we sold
1: the package yeah. to. Yep, that's how it works. Sometimes, uh, uh, it literally is like, Hey, in the future, what if we focus more on video games? Because like uh, one of the things that I'll say, we've talked about this before is we're working a little bit more closely with the folks at motherboard, which gives us some more access to, to more writers and people who have great ideas. And it's like, well, as part of that, we should probably like focus on games. There's a lot of those out there. Oh
3: yeah. A lot,
1: a lot of games. So video games, if you somehow, is that subscri- one or two words, two words uh, <laughs> per our style
0: guide, <laughs> Does this person exist? That you're about to set up. Yeah. The person uh-huh. listens to this, but who doesn't listens to this. Listen, look. I think the breakout hit is.
2: that was the Jane Austen series probably brought in a lot. Yeah, that's, that's
1: true. There are some, people.
4: There are definitely <laughs> some people who listen some to Pride and like, Prejudice.
1: Yeah, some people were Waypoint fans, and maybe they had a partner, or a sibling, or a, a family member, or a, a, a you know a, a dorm room co in a roommate. That's what those are called, <laughs> right? They had a tether. Dorm room co roommate. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine you ha- you are a tether, and your your tethered is listening to to Be Good and Rewatch and you're like I don't like video games but I like movies come listen to Waypoint Radio also uh, because we talk about uh, video games we also do a a weekly podcast called Waypoints where we dig into culture and news and current events but also definitely video games so it's
2: core to our mission and anyone from Vice don't even worry about it (laughs) (laughs) don't even listen to (laughs) Waypoints there's just so much video game content (laughs) Uh, just don't even we sweat We just talked it. about
1: the occupation. We just talked about the occupation on Waypoint. Exactly. That's a video game. Proof. Point to it. Mm-hmm. Sports or games?
0: Yeah. We t- Green Bay Packers <laughs> and the Chicago Bears are in, man. What is
1: the WWE <laughs> if not a fictional game? We Let storytelling. Yeah. Why we play. Narrative. Na- narrative. They're
0: being controlled by the script writers like the player holds it. <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. Mechanics. <laughs> environmental
0: storytelling yeah <laughs> all right oh boy we're all going to lose our jobs can't wait honestly um,
1: fuck me up fam
0: <laughs> i'm not going to be here uh, <laughs> and you know what'd be great you should take this time this podcast go give this five stars go review this fucking podcast like it. now is the time until
3: the end of time please god what was a five
5: star
1: five podcast
3: p- five star runtime yeah That's right.
1: You know what it is. How long did we go Uh, for? Not that long, right? 230. There you go. That's all. It's healthy. Still
3: longer than the movie. (laughs) (laughs) If it ain't longer than the Uh, movie, it ain't waypoint. Patrick, why can't
2: you run a Be Good and rewatch it more like me? Just (laughs) tight, (laughs) you know, like, just only the highlights. uh, Really, like, (laughs) give people a high sign when we got to wrap it up. Um, I don't know. (laughs) I'm just saying I set a standard. It would have been nice to see it followed.
5: Well, oh, we're
3: canceled God. now, God. so there you go, Rob. Uh, rest Defi-
0: <laughs> I'm sure it had nothing to do with the nope. 30 hours of. Yeah, just like just like in Us, no, the coincidences didn't mean nope. anything, right, nope. Rob? Hey, w- seven parts Pride and Prejudice doesn't mean anything that
5: we get it canceled.
2: Was, uh, on. Uh, why? Why has Team you. Waypoint put 120 <laughs> person hours into Jane Austen adaptations?
5: <laughs> uh,
3: audience growth.
1: Audience growth. I, it is very funny to me. One of the first comments we got when we launched Big Good and Rewatch It was from someone here who had just started here and who didn't know the makeup of our like who didn't even know the makeup of our team yet and in seeing a gaming site that was gonna start doing more cultural coverage uh, was like, hey, can you just like make sure that some of the movies that you watch and TV shows that you talk about aren't like hyper masculine and like hyper like aren't like super like dudeish? because she didn't know who the fuck we were, like what type of oh, stuff. That's that a we good did. that's a decent And assumption also we were doing the purge movies, which is like, I get what you're saying. Right. Like I, I don't I think many women probably like the purge movies mm-hmm. where there are lots of women horror fans and blah 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 blah. But I get where you're coming from. And at the time, I was like, you know, we were just talking about doing uh, Pride and Prejudice rewatch, but I just watched it. So maybe maybe soon. And now the definitive biggest chunk of this show is <laughs> Pride a Jane Austen, Yeah, Pride yeah, yeah. and Prejudice plus Emma and Clueless. Love it. If you can listen to those, you should go back and listen to those even if you think you wouldn't like them. They're very good.
3: They're fun. Yeah. They were a blast to do.
4: We get very punchy in some of those.
3: Oh, yeah. Punch, so. punch. Some all.
4: There's, not, there's a punchy section that's in fair. everything. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Do you want to take oh, that out?
0: Gonna, that's going to do it for us. Yes. Natalie, where can people follow you?
3: Um, R.I.P. Me at Natalie Watson on Twitter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is that your? Go, yeah. Okay. And, and if.
3: Mm. Yep. That's it.
0: And if you don't, if you don't read Waypoint, you should go read Natalie's excellent review of. Uh, oh, right. Age. yeah, totally.
3: Thanks. So it
1: much. came out a few weeks ago uh, at this point, but still, go read it. Yeah.
3: Thanks. Sure. Whatever. Let's see
1: if give it
0: some good. Holds
4: yeah, up. Give it some clicks. <laughs> Cato, what about you? At a underscore Cato underscore appears.
2: Rob, uh, you can find me on Twitter listed as the number one be good and rewatch it stan, uh, at Rob Zachman. <laughs>
3: You stand your own show, (sighs) Rob. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, he definitely does. That's fair. Uh, You find me at Austin underscore Walker. And also, a quick note because this is going to be going up on like the twenty something, right? The twenty. I just put it into a calendar, so I should the twenty fifth next week. We are planning on
0: doing. Oh Oh, shit! shit.
5: (laughs) That's right.
0: Wow, that's is. we never have this. We barely promoted spare let alone did. a stream three weeks so, out. So
1: we're going to be doing Save 2.0. I don't know if there's an actual brand name on it.
3: It's Save 2.0.
1: Wow. That's it. We've decided now. Just Save now in 2. this room. <laughs> Another 72-hour uh, stream. 2. 72-hour charity <laughs> stream. Um, Kato, you and Rob have been kind of taking the lead on this. Uh, obviously, we'll be doing the 36 hours, and the mod yep. team will be picking up after that to do another 36. Do you want to talk a little bit about it and, and what, we, what we should expect and who we're supporting and where people can find out more? Sure. Uh, I
4: mean, well, like not really, Austin. Trans- I wasn't prepared for the <laughs> I was, I was,
5: I, I got a little. I got a little
4: bit. I mean, apart from that, we we the charity we're supporting is the Trans Lifeline. Yep. Um, we um, will be taking donations, and there will be incentives for those donations that are usually in the form of like fun uh, twists on the games that we're playing, things like that. At least, mostly for the mod side, um, but those run through the entire seventy-two hours. Um, there will probably be something on the website. The thing is, I don't. You know what? Dot, no, I can't. I can't. Even bit, bit. <laughs> <You> <laughs> why is. set have right? a
1: bit.ly right now, who could say? I could. I could set it up. Uh, you could I'll drop me, this in a, in uh, two weeks. Give me a thing because I'll put it. also attach it to waypoint.zone, which I own. Okay. But I can just do it Waypoint.zone
4: slash save point 2019. <laughs> done. done. Waypoint.zone slash save point 2019. That's where we're go there for more
1: information. <laughs> Are you. Natalie is like <laughs> blinking at me. Is this Morris code?
3: <laughs> no, I, I just totally. What say
1: waypoint.zone slash
3: B O E N
1: save point 2019.
3: Oh, right, okay. Save
2: point. There's well,
3: gonna be lots of good games,
2: and we'll be That's kicking it. <laughs> it off on Thursday the 2nd at noon Eastern. Uh, and our side of things will be going until midnight Friday night, and they'll be kicking it over to the mod team. Uh, And it's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully it's a little less punchy than last time. Uh, There were some extended.
3: (sighs) Extra punchy.
2: Punchy's good. Hmm? Punchy's us. We're punchy. There was a point where I came in at 4 a.m. though. And then I just remember the next eight hours being like a fever dream. Um, And I became (laughs) really like focused on a salad. I don't know. You did? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that was that it, was extremely to, not normal, but there I was. We had like, to create you know, an
3: incentive just, for to get you to go eat a salad or something because you refused to leave. Or I wouldn't leave until I
2: got my sleep. salad, and then I would go to sleep. <laughs>
5: right, yeah,
2: right. Basically, right, right. Yeah. I'm going to sleep good. Basically, I just We're curled up a lot on a chair and was time. like, I'm
0: not moving until I'm fed a salad, <laughs> and then I will sleep. Yeah, we had to like keep, I was like, go, leave. No. No. Salad. <laughs>
3: We're going to do a lot you can better find me with scheduling.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: We'll get those salads really early for you, Rob. You can <laughs> find me at Patrick Lovick. I am in my hostings of this. I never came up with a sign off and I refuse to acknowledge the desire uh, to create one. So I'm not going to. This is the last one. The last one. Will not we have figured a it out last time. What it. was it? It's five star that, podcast, yours. five star runtime. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's Rob's. That's Rob. Hey, me. I guess it's not you. I delete I went into that I went into that note sheet, deleted everything that was there. Oh. <laughs> that's not a that's not being derisive. That's just Be good and be good you know, at it. You rotate the exactly. did I say? No, I said uh-huh. be
3: good and rewatch it.
4: That's the, that's the, the name, name of the show. show.
3: I know, but I said it like Danielle says it. But the other thing that she says. That <laughs> be good and be good at it.
1: Gotcha, yeah, that one. Yeah.
3: That's that was Waypoint Radio. Remember that? I,
1: I, we still do that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> do do we? This you know is three, weeks, three from weeks from now. three weeks from Who knows what we do? You know?
3: I don't even know my name.
1: You should go to the website and see if there's any editorials about some shit. I don't know.
0: <laughs> tweet When you listen to this, tweet at me. Let me know. Ask if we're still yeah, around. Ask if we're okay. Ask Let me know. what side I write for.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Zip Davis. Yeah. Uh-huh. We're relaunching EGM, baby. Mm. It's still out there? I thought 1UP you- was the next one in the cycle. Yeah, yeah We could relaunch 1UP <laughs> at this point.
1: God.
0: Would love the dust one off of my that office. Dang, a I a 1UP some- reboot.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Great
1: ideas for a new brand. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: Bazinga.net.
3: Oh. Mm. No, not the one? Doesn't vibe with me. No,
1: weird. Weird. Because multiple people suggested that's what Waypoint should have been called. So I'm glad... We went a different way.
3: They're not here.
1: All right. We should end this. How do we do that? Kato, is there yep. a button you can hit to end this? I mean, yeah. Yeah, just stop just it. hit that button. Hit the button. Hit it. Kato, hit the button. hit it.
5: Did oh. you? Did you really did
4: hit it? The numbers, it? everything's still going. No, no, I did hit it. I I did it. That's sad. the button. The button is, I'm cutting that there. I'm sad. <laughs> but I, it's still doing recording. <laughs> yeah. I leave it going for a bit.
1: This is post-pod. Oh, we're in the, oh, we're in the post-pod now? I thought we were, this is the post We're in the
4: post-pod, post-pod reality This is where the now.
3: post-pod lives.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we are recording on this end. Hit <laughs> it! Yeah oh my goodness wow I need to get rid of that that needs to stop <clears throat>
0: 2018 okay um, last year? what was it? I'm looking I'm, no I'm looking at the the, the the movies that have been 40x enhanced uh, all the major okay alright I'd go see The Meg come on Giant Shark movie mm. <laughs> Wikipedia should list out what happens
4: <laughs> I just assumed the you know. water sprinklers were on the entire time to give you the sensation that you're always in the ocean. First man. <laughs> First man? Yeah,
0: you know? All that water in space. The Sicario. Day. This can't be right. <laughs> so the second Sicario movie? Oh, yeah. There's so much blood in that, though. Uh... The movie is so bad.
3: That movie is bad.
1: I never got around to it.
2: I it's worth see seeing for one. how
0: bad it yeah, is. See yeah, see
3: It was a different director, wasn't it?
0: Different director, same yeah. writer. Hmm.
3: And then like Oscar Isaac or who?
0: Antonio Banderas. And- Wait, which one were we talking about? The same Sicario? cast, except for uh, the actress that was in the yeah. first one. Right,
3: like, right, right. Emily game. Blunt. She like wouldn't Emily do it because Blunt, yeah. it wasn't the the same director. Or something.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe she read that script and was like, yo, mm. like the first one <laughs> had its just problems it too. There. But the did, second did one Lou is Dobbs just... write this? God. <laughs> I mean, it makes you it, it I am often an advocate of like, you know, remake sequels don't ruin original things, but actually, mm-hmm. like the Sicario, the second Sicario, like makes you look back at the first one and go like, mm, actually, mate, no. <laughs> Or really just that like it was really well shot and it kind of hides things in the script that um, maybe weren't paying attention to as much. Here we go. Here we
4: go. Let's go. going to
0: go see Pokemon Detective Pikachu in 4DX. Hell huh. yeah. Throw an- Just throw animals at me.
4: <laughs> I wonder if they had a heating element so that you can really feel that Charizard fire.
0: It's, it's the people work in the theater just walking around with candles just
4: put it <laughs> in their face they put those like shocking toys on the armrests <laughs> get shocked by Pikachu
0: <laughs> yo those things are no joke I bought one they for giant Bomb and, and it was like a reoccurring bit that we would bring guests on and do that and that thing is felt dangerous is what I'll say 100%. Like it does, I feel like this Somehow this slipped through, like, government regulations. Like, this feels <laughs> like it was... If, like, a wire was, like, crossed incorrectly, I would just die. Uh, <laughs> memetically? Is that a term? Mimetically. Mm-hmm. Mimetically. Memetically. mimetically. Yep. S- spreading through memes?
1: Memes existed before memes. Yeah. The yep. term meme is an academic... Uh, thing that uh, Dawkins came up with the shitty Dawkins. The, the atheist Wait did Dawkins.
4: shitty Dawkins really make it up? Yeah. yeah. What the yeah. Fuck? It, I was thought it was called the
3: meme.
1: Not wrong. <laughs> um, Richard Dawkins came like was the study. I mean go back and play go back and play Metal Gear Solid 2, yeah. obviously, which was a game about memes in the same way that Metal Gear Solid 1 is a game about genes. That's what Kojima said at the time. Um, memes are just ideas, are ideas that spread through culture. Um, and so remember there was that great episode of Slow Burn about all of the Nixon memes? Mm-hmm. Uh, things like him holding his fingers out or the, like the mm-hmm. I'm not a crook and mm-hmm. other stuff. Like those are memes even though today we right. wouldn't – A meme is just – yeah. right, A yeah.
5: meme
4: is to culture what a gene is to our like our genetic makeup. Mm-hmm. That is what, why he that named, is it why it I that. named it
1: that. Yeah.
0: Yes. Wow. The more you know. Beep. All right, should we get rolling?
4: What's that oh,
5: noise?
3: Probably Someone's... the air.
4: No, that's someone oh, drilling. Tri- Someone's oh, drilling. Someone's drilling.
3: Good. Found another hair.
0: It's not a day. De- time that is. It doesn't tell me what day it is. Like it, it might not the, be a day. What's what the is... holiday?
1: There
4: isn't one. What is a day?
0: What Mike says a, it's a sibling siblings' day. It needs a day. De- we need a day off. Oh, uh, yeah.
3: today's National Pet Day.
0: Why isn't
4: is that, that on Time Dot th- Is? Th- that's what it they says? don't recognize it. It's not. Wow, recognized. the politics
0: of Time Dot is.
4: Mm. is. just, but is it really? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready.
0: Rob. Oh yeah. Don't
1: <laughs> <laughs> pick a time? Rob, are you
0: gonna be? Are you gonna be going through customer support while we do this podcast? No, I'm not like... Oh, literally, I'm just hanging loose here
2: on time.is.
3: Hanging loose okay. with Rob.
2: Hanging loose with Rob.
3: On time.is. Uh, 43. <laughs> hey, Internet, what's up? We're here.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, wait, who's hosting? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Why are there's- well, there's two...
0: Look, Welcome you to. On, you could do a lore reasons on us.
4: uh. Yeah.
0: You could. Okay. You could. He said there's a Bible out there. I mean, like a like a. Anyway, huh. we'll get into it. Oh, I thought you meant us. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, Us as people as really people. I was gonna way be
3: like, <laughs> like yeah, oh, you
1: sure, sure fucking could.
5: Yeah. So, <laughs>
3: Austin,
1: Austin
2: showed. Let me up. tell uh-huh. you about the great breakup of 2003. Oh, Jesus
1: Christ. <laughs>